Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Oh, that's A-Rick Marchin. A-Rick? A-Rick. I don't get it. As the the people from Starbucks now call me. Oh, yeah. I saw your your post the other day. A-Rick. A-Rick. You were just A-Rick. A-Rick. Okay, cool. Not the Rick. Hello, Rick. A-Rick. How you doing, man? Um, you know, I... I feel like we haven't done this in a little while. We, I mean, some Inside Baseball, we recorded two episodes the last time. Yep, um, divided by me taking a dump. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> in the middle of the, or the end of the one episode before that, I think... Suspiria the, just got to my stomach. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, so it's been a little while. It feels like a little while, but uh, how uh, you been? Stain-wise, it's been a while? Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Oh, I thought you were referencing something else. No, <laughs> no. Um, you know what, uh... Interestingly enough, I didn't have the greatest weekend in the world. Uh, got right. bit by a dog. Sure did. Uh, spent eight and a half hours in uh, the hospital. I went to the walk-in first. Sure. Um, because I didn't think it would be that bad. Just get a couple stitches there, a tetanus shot, be on my what way. What you didn't realize is they don't give stitches at the... They don't. But this is the yeah. funny part. So after getting the tetanus shot, which I think actually hurt just as much or maybe even worse than the bite because it's the doctor giving it to you and they jab it into your muscle. You, you know we're... We're meant to be really good friends because I got attacked by a cat once and had to right. go to the uh, walk-in and get a tetanus shot. So, cat and dog. Cat, dog. Yeah. Remember that show? Cat, dog. Cat, dog. Yep. Good show. Anyways, Fused together. Cats versus dog. Uh, so, yeah. So, I got a tetanus shot. Um, afterwards, the doctor looks at it, uh, uh, my bite and is like... Yeah, you're going to need stitches, but we don't do them here. And probably an x-ray, too, just to make sure that you didn't, don't have any broken bones. Because uh, there was a lot of swelling at that point. And, but there was a, they had an x-ray clinic right next door. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But they were like, you might as well just go to the <laughs> hospital to do both. We don't want to have you here anymore. Right. So I went. And then eight hours, eight and a half hours later, it's finally like antibiotics, a few stitches, and that's it. A couple Band-Aids. Yeah, a couple Band-Aids. Some... I thought your arm would be wrapped and you're just, you know... I was hoping it would the be because it would add to the drama. The next day you, you came to hang out. We were going to go down to Toronto and yeah. the GO train completely fucked us. But Well, that's another um, story into itself, yeah, right? I don't just even need to go get transit in, in, in Ontario in the Durham region specifically it's just garbage. Is, is awful. Uh, and, uh, it made should... us miss our screening of uh, Two Fantastic Two Beasts, yeah. but uh, we'll see it another time. And they should they should do... I mean, they're, they're already marketing and advertising that, you know, trains are not going to run every 50 minutes only like, weekdays during rush hour though but they don't there's a fucking asterisk everywhere yeah so, so. um we ended up missing that and then i just came home and i watched uh tw- a 24 hour stream for extra life was this past weekend which is a um kind of uh one day a year where a lot of video game streamers kind of all stream for 24 hours to raise uh money for the children's miracle network of hospitals so yeah. uh here in toronto it's for sick kids i was watching the kind of funny guys which were uh raising for the um, children's hospital in san francisco uh so i was a, a lazy bastard and as you can hear in my voice i feel like every time we've recorded from episode seven onward i've been sick and yeah. i just and it's weird because i'm not like i don't knock on wood I'm, i don't think i'm dying or anything but like it's like i got sick before new york and then um which postponed one of the recordings uh felt better we went to new york got sick in new york as i mentioned and thought i was on my deathbed had a horrible serious fever. case of gout it was just really <laughs> awful i come home and i'm starting to feel better um and then uh a week or a week or so goes by and then i'm hit with another uh nevis is in mexico right now and and maybe her being away from me has just uh made me 
uh, fall apart again. No, um, I, I and I got a cold. I keep sneezing, and this cough won't go away. So um, it's weird. I'm, I feel like I'm never consistently sick enough to be like, oh, I, sh- I it's something viral. I need to take antibiotics. Um, I, so I don't know what the hell's going on, but. If you can hear it in my voice or if I turn away to cough sometimes, I feel like I I keep apologizing for that. But I think it's that time of year, and it's been fucking raining every day. Well, right now it's nice, though. This morning it was raining as we record. It's nice, but, like, for the last week or so, it's been constantly raining, like, and just garbage. It's just, like, so... It's basically looked like Blade Runner outside. Yeah, and just, like, I haven't wanted to leave the house, so... Um, yeah, and also man. daylight saving time with 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 uh, the days ending earlier, oh, like it's it, it, dark. And by the time we end up finishing recording today, it'll probably be pitch black outside. Yeah, and and, and that doesn't help with morale as well, and and you know seasonal depression and and oh, I get mad seasonal depression yeah. in the winter, man. Like and especially because and it's triggered by me being sick. I feel like every year around November, I get sick for like a month. And then I'm finally better, and I always get, like, anxious, and I go to the doctor, and they're like, you'll be fine. It's that time of year. Like, you should have gotten your flu shot earlier. And every year I go, yeah, I should have. Which you should get your flu shot earlier this year because you've been sick. Yeah, but then they tell you, well, if you've already gotten sick, like, it doesn't do anything after right. like you've already been sick but i'm like well fuck well, you don't want to be you don't want to get sick like that again i know but i don't know so i gotta i, I got it i really really should do that but um yeah man well i'm glad you're feeling all right you're okay yeah. um uh you're not dying neither am i hopefully so no um, i i the only thing is i'm just mad at, at the the people who own the dog that bit me to be clear well, this wasn't someone else's dog this was your dog yes this was my dog anakin and uh so we got him through do it an ad- <laughs> <laughs> i did not say that to him um someone else anakin did. no yeah. uh i'm getting the high ground so we got him through an, a dog adoption agency called dibs and they found him in the streets in mexico and it's where Nevis is right now. Yeah, except he was horribly abused and left for dead. So you know we're giving our my family are giving him a second shot at life, and I just I was what you've done with like all of your dogs lately. Yeah, right? all, like, all, or, other or, than or, Boris, who was just right. a he, he was a stud and right. just was too lazy to be a stud, so we sure. adopted him. Um, but yeah, so George and and Anakin are, are both uh, adopted dogs where they were left on the streets to fend for themselves, and it just makes me angry at the people who would be able to just do that, right, and not take them to a vet or a, a pound or something just just let them leave them to their own devices and in some cases abuse them uh, horribly so yeah i was just i was more upset with that i mean it hurt like hell and i was angry at the time but um it's i mean it's water under the bridge now because it's just like i'm fine it could have been a lot worse it could have been a child that got bitten i rather it have been me um so yeah sure. and you know though you have fucking big dogs too yes and, and, I highly and they're recommend... good they're good dogs because yeah. i'm nervous around big dogs and you've seen me nervous around your oh dogs. i have um now i'm probably even more nervous right. uh, <laughs> uh but i don't think i ever met anakin I no 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 Boris no and george george but, loves you like, yeah he oh just god yeah he, he was all over me pool of water on you after slobber all over me yeah but yeah i highly recommend if you're looking for like a rescue dog try dibs <sighs> dibs is a really good uh dog uh, adoption agency to 
to, to pick up a, an animal that needs care and, and will become a faithful companion. That's great. I think, I hope everything, I know it was probably just, he got a little jittered and scared. Yeah. He's and, again, like, like he's still, he's, he's only been with us for a couple of months now. So he's still adjusting to life. And the one thing that he is really afraid of and apprehensive towards is doors and gates being closed. And we also think he might have a little bit of a vision problem because when you go to pet him, he kind of looks up, but he doesn't look at your hand. Like, he kind of looks off in the wrong direction. Right. Well, I'm glad everything's okay. But he's not a Sith Lord yet. No. no. Do it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, all right. Uh, For those of you joining us for the first time, and and to Brandon Parkhurst, our good buddy who's listening, we did not get tattoos. But uh, this is the 10th draft (laughs) of the Untitled. We're in the uh, double digits now. Yeah, double dig. And we have uh, a few announcements to make in a second. But uh, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I kind of get together and talk about movies and just shoot the shit. And sometimes not movies, sometimes whatever we want to talk about. Um, We try to record every week and go up Mondays at 9 a.m. For those of you who have been consistently listening, thing you realize that that is not usually the case it's but been a little more erratic recently yeah but it's part of our uh our shtick now i think it, it's monday or tuesday usually we're pretty consistent we, that it's in it's within you'll the get week. one every week yeah which or we, maybe more yeah so um each week on monday mornings you'll get a new episode of the untitled movie podcast uh we do have a few announcements to make eric and i um when we first uh conceived this podcast it's kind of a um, similar to what we were doing both at Movie Night and Toronto Film Scene when we did Movie Monarchy and the Toronto Film Scene podcast where we uh, uh, kind of took a structure that we stuck to. Uh, we've been changing it, but one reason we called this the Untitled Movie Podcast is because we would be making some edits on it, and I liked both the the kind of script style, like, oh, we are still working on this as we go kind of thing, but more conversational and just whatever we wanted to talk about, but we've been talking lately, and um, we're going to kind of make a few changes to the podcast, but it, I think <gasps> in, changes. I think in some good ways, so we're going to get a little bit more structured um, from here on out. We've, we, I think we've got a good run of show that we have now, and um, you'll see some recurring segments every week but what we are going to do is be removing the new release reviews from our main podcast and moving that to a separate podcast which will be like mini slices of this podcast but us reviewing new release films every week and dedicated to the film that we're reviewing so for example by the time you hear this we'll probably have reviews up for both bohemian rhapsody and the girl in the spider's web that you can listen to which will probably range from 15 to 20 minutes we'll take into account if it's a film that we want to get more engaged with maybe it'll be longer like if it's you know a star wars film Mm -hmm. or if it's an indie movie that we really want to find a director we really conversation about or if it's the opposite where you know it's only really worth five or ten minutes of our time to really discuss exactly you know we could get something like a uh i don't know why 50 shades of gray just popped into my head but it did so (laughs) no and i think it's a a really good thing because i've been taking some of the feedback that i've gotten from um friends and family and people online and and um some people really love the long form format and i think they like our conversation back and forth but uh, i feel like sometimes when we're doing the the reviews um we don't give you time codes and if you're looking for that brand new release that just came out this week and you want to know our opinions on it but you might not want to go through the rest of it right not then that's that's perfectly okay we want to give you to you yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> we want to we want to give you bite sized chunks, and then that way you're still getting um, this podcast that I think you'll love when we talk about Rocky and 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 other kind of shit that we've been doing or watching, as well as some trailer stuff, some 4K news, some um, movie news in general, and just kind of two guys who love talking movies just talking for an hour and a half. Um, but then also getting week to week, you might get multiple episodes uh, depending on how many releases there are that week. Yeah, and what we see. And, yeah, yeah, of bite size um, chunks of, and getting our impressions and our, our first reviews on that stuff. So I feel like you're essentially getting more content. It's just broken up in a different way. And I, I think it's a kind of a, a cool way. And I mean, we do this anyway. And um, I, I think it's a cool way of breaking up our content and giving people um, a way to either listen to one or the other or both or yeah. however you want to take it. Or maybe there's only one movie that you're interested in. So, and maybe you don't care about Suspiria, but you do care about The Grinch or something like that. Right. So um, you'll see the first couple. So it'll be a separate podcast feed. We'll plug it a bit more um, on next week's podcast. Uh, I need to set everything up. It'll um, right now, it'll probably be called Untitled Movie Reviews, and it, it'll still be... Um, oh, they're going to call it Bits, or yeah. Bits and Chunks, or <laughs> yeah. Chunks and Bits. Um, and then uh, it we'll, give, we'll link everything. It'll be on UntitledMoviePodcast.com under uh, Reviews. So you'll see episodes, and then you'll see reviews. And, um, and, and we'll post everything on Twitter and Facebook and all that <laughs> stuff, so it'll be easy to find and, and keep doing it. So, like, yeah. it won't be difficult to sort of differentiate between the two and 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 again we'll still talk about movies that are new releases on the show as well and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll tip you guys off to go and see or listen to those reviews mm-hmm. and and thematically you know like what we're doing now with the rocky uh franchise and and creed to leading up to creed 2 we'll do other things in that yeah ilk as well i think i always want to review something or talk about a movie on the show it might not be something that's brand new maybe it's something that came out on 4k or, or blu-ray that we never got to um, talk about before because we didn't have the podcast or maybe it's leading up into a new movie like we're doing with Creed 2 or maybe it's just each week we pick a movie like at the end of the episode that we both want to maybe talk about the next week right maybe right. you recommend something to me or or I bring or some... even the listeners recommend something yeah else. if someone wants to hear us talk about a specific movie um, we'd be glad uh, to do that so um, uh, right now we'll be sticking with the Rocky movies until um, we're almost uh, done well too. we're almost done because Creed will be next week and then um, then you'll get the Creed 2 to review on this new podcast channel so yeah um should be cool so um let's kick off this episode man so um we wanted to start off uh with i, I every week i like talking to you about what have you been watching lately have well you been watching this week at home, um or? i mean i've been i've been trying to get through some documentary stuff because uh this is the time of year where um i'm on the bf i'm a bfca member and so which is the broadcast as film, film critics, critics association and the critics choice awards and the documentary critics choice which awards. you can watch in january january i think on it's on cw, CW? cool i'll have to double check it's on the 19th of <laughs> yeah. january i do know that um but i'll 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 talk about it again is tj miller hosting again or no well it was olivia munn who hosted last time and they got her like three or four days before because michael strahan hosted too yeah yeah because it's been a weird show (laughs) it it sure is being there is ecw yeah i know i'm just kidding and we should go we should i'm just giving you shit yeah if i can Um, i would love to yeah but anyway, so this is the time of year where I'm starting to catch up with a lot of documentary stuff that I missed either at Hot Docs or... Right, so not real movies. Yeah, not real films. And oh, that's been taking up a lot of... Ironically, they are very real. I, I know. <laughs> some, people, of some people... We make this joke because some people don't consider them to be real movies when you're talking about, you know, uh, in, in the context of 
you know, multiplex films and independently made movies. People don't necessarily consider documentaries. Documentaries are those things you watch in school or on, yeah. Net- or on Netflix. It's a genre, absolutely, yeah, yeah. but it, it, like you don't I think go it gets, to the cinema. Yeah, to you watch. don't. You don't go to the movie theaters to see somebody talk about agricultural farming. <laughs> you know, like something like that. Um, but this year, it's been interesting because I've been watching a lot of political-based documentaries, and and it's very timely because. Uh, as as you know, as as we're recording this, the uh, the midterm elections are, are happening, and and to anybody that that's listening, I hope you voted. Um, yes, I don't think we made the cut of telling you to vote, no. but I hope you did. Yes, um, and so that's kind of interesting. So I've been kind of slogging through that. I actually <laughs> I actually rewatched uh, Steve McQueen's Shame. Not that it's a movie that you can just throw on on a Sunday just afternoon. A real easy watch. But I was just curious to rewatch it just because Widows is, is close to being released. We saw that at TIFF. We really liked that. I remember thinking Shane was great at, at, at TIFF when it played there. Is and that the last time you saw it? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. It's it's again. It's it's it's. A, I think it's a great movie. Michael Fassbender, Carrie Mulligan are excellent in the film. Beautiful cinematography by Sean Bob. It was the first time that he worked in New York, but it was still an independent production before Fox Searchlight picked it up. Um, but at the same time, um, it fell down a little bit just because it's it's such a hard movie to get through, and it feels like by the last. 20 30 minutes of the movie uh michael fassbender's character brendan is just put through the ringer and it's like anything awful anything that's awful can happen to a person happens to him and it's just misery porn to the extreme um but it is still a really well done movie and i I, again like i think the performances are fantastic yeah i loved it when i saw it at tiff but i haven't again had a desire to uh rewatch it yeah I, i mean with the exception of widows i would say that all Three of his previous films are great movies. I think Steve McQueen is a, 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 a this isn't a slight against him, but they're hard to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Hunger, Twelve Years a Slave, Shame—they're just they're one or two time watches, and you kind of feel like you you've seen it enough. You don't need to go back. A hundred percent. Yeah. And Widows is out this week, right? Uh, it next? opens on the sixteenth. Next, I, I forgot. Yeah, but yeah, it's excellent. Uh, if you guys didn't hear our review, we reviewed it back on the TIFF episode. But that's a movie that, even though there's rewatchability and it's fun, it's a heist movie. There's more to it than 100%, just that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's about it. And 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 I rewatched V for Vendetta <laughs> because it was Guy Fox Day on November fifth. <laughs> Do you rewatch it every year on the fifth, or just? Uh, sometimes I think I have the last couple of years. I think also it was partly because a lot of people were giving their hot takes about Natalie Portman being a bad actress, and I was right. kind of really pissed off about that because there were some really smart people that were giving their their hot takes and saying things like, "Oh, you know, like uh, there's some she's movies, always been bad, she, or... but but there's some movies uh, that she's in that I really like, yeah. but she's still bad." And the example of those movies being The Professional and Closer, and part of why those movies work are her performances you yeah, can't to each subtract own, i those. don't know i just i, I don't get that either i'm with yeah. you where i tweeted during tiff that i thought she was one of my favorite actresses like because i love vox lux which that yeah. trailer just came out um and which is a very misleading um, trailer because 100 percent that but, is a supporting role <laughs> yeah but she is excellent in that i love black swan i love jackie i love the movies you're talking about too uh v for vendetta i haven't watched since Jesus Christ! Like a long time. Ago, it's but. it's definitely um it's a Wachowski si- uh, sisters movie. Like it is not 
uh, a James McTee film. Like, even though James McTee directed it, yeah. the the guy directed this year Breaking In with Gabriel Union and looking at that and then looking at V for Vendetta again, like, like, you can clearly yeah. tell that they, like, that, ghost directed it. Yeah, because then James McTee went also on to direct Ninja Assassin, oh, Jesus, which was yeah. I also think was, was ghost directed by right. the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah. And that's a shame as well, hearing that the Wachowski uh, sisters, Lana... And are, yeah. yeah, they're 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 shutting down their production. It seems like they might just be kind of done. Like yeah. uh, we don't know for sure, but I, I hope mean, they're not. Because yeah. I I mean I don't love everything that they do, but I think that they are important filmmakers. And I mean I I, I don't know. I really like Cloud Atlas. I was just gonna say that. I was like, me and you are always we Speed always, Racer gets we, better and better every time I, I gotta see rewatch it. Speed Racer. But yeah, um, I'm pissed that I missed that uh, Kaplowski Speed Racer IMAX screening because we were away, weren't we? Yeah. Or, or I was away. Well, yeah, I think I was just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't been watching much, re- really. Like I, uh, since the last time we recorded, I watched the first scary movie, which does is it's a little problematic. I watched, <laughs> I watched a couple movies that um, over the last couple weeks that I was like, huh. I remember really well one of them really liking when I was younger. Um, being scary movie and now i'm like boo i don't know if a lot of this is okay anymore but but it's also just dated in in its references as well like it is of the early 2000s and you could tell like with all the matrix stuff but that's fine i mean i know it's of its time i mean it still can those movies are still relevant today it's still like if you know them the jokes they're shittier today like in terms of like parody movies sure um (laughs) excuse me sorry Matt is still a little yeah. under the weather, as you can tell. Coughing. Um, so I watched this scary movie, which I like. Nevis, I had it on, and she was like in the background. She's like, "What the fuck is this?" She's like, "This is so immature and terrible." And I'm like, "I know, but it's like sort of nostalgic for me." And I'm like, "I understand it's like the lowest common denominator of like humor, but it's not as bad as like Meet the Spartans or or some of that other no garbage." But um, still very crass, very juvenile, um, and and kind of problematic at times so well uh, more than probably a little no, i a mean lot. it's homophobic <laughs> oh, misogynistic yeah. transphobic, transphobic um which again i don't think anything's off limits in comedy but like you well when it's not like ch- but times change that's the, but that's then the going thing. into the other movie i watched i watched kiss kiss bang bang for the first right. time um also has some of that but i think it's very different because in scary movie um they're making those jokes as as like haha jokes and they're um, more laughing at um, those things and in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at least it's true to the characters that are kind of making those jokes or some of the things that are happening right. so like it actually has a plot and character development to the point where um, the characters themselves are problematic and not perfect well it's, and, it's almost like mid 90s mid 90s yes. recently has been coming under fire for its humor and its depiction of certain issues. And while I'm not giving Jonah Hill a pass on those things, I would say that you have to look from the point of view of these characters are teenagers in the mid nineties. Their, their empathy and their dispositions haven't grown and changed as people. So yes, they're going to use certain words and, and, and do certain things that are inappropriate and uh, questionable uh, in terms of their character. But, Again, like you have to look where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to grab a lozenge. Keep talking. Yes, I'm going to keep talking. So you have to you have to understand that. But but again, like you know, like it's also good to be conscientious of that thing. And 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 also, I mean, if the joke isn't funny, then it's even worse because it's like, well, why did you even? think that this would work in the first place as a joke especially oh, yeah. like, if you are a comedian or a com- the wor- comedy writer the worst is mrs man yes in, 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 well i texted you about oh that oh my god man i'm like jesus christ and if i talk weird it's because i have a lozenge in my mouth um oh my god and then in kiss kiss bang bang i still think it's sort of problematic at times and um we've noticed that even in the new predator which we talked yeah. about but and- shane black's writing has always kind of been like that as well i mean even the last boy scout has lines of dialogue that are pretty derogatory <laughs> no and, and that's what i mean so i feel like looking back on it and i'm like Ugh, I, I just don't know and then with some of the recent stuff that came out with shane black and during the predator and you saw that in his scripts and like I like the guy, and I do think he's funny, and he's a good director and a good writer, but uh, I think he relies a lot on some stuff that... But again, he's I, very I'm, much of of like I feel like I mean I think Shane Black is a very good writer, but I also do recognize that he's of that. I feel like him and like Todd Phillips like went to the same like frat or something like that. Like they feel like those kind of like bros of bro-y, cinema. Yeah, like um, grew up with that eighties uh, style comedy kind of like yeah machismo kind of male dominated comedy action movies where you know women are put to the side or just used as objects or sexual desire and then you know any joke is is not thought of other than just for the sake of a laugh yeah so um enjoyed kiss kiss bang bang i still think it's a fun movie and um um, Downey Jr. is great, and, and that was kind of like the beginning his of his comeback, comeback right? Yeah. Like he was one of the that was one of the first things that he was given another chance to. Yeah, do, and right? that and 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 Downey was so grateful to Shane Black that that was the reason part of the reason why Black went on to direct Iron Man three because yeah. uh, Downey campaigned for him. To, and to we, do the we film. were talking a little bit about this off air a couple of days ago, but um, I kind of liked both Nice Guys and Iron Man three because he toned it down a little bit, but still had his. It's still subversive voice. in some ways, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, with some of the sexist and misogynistic stuff. Well, or, I don't think that's gonna pop well, up in well, a Marvel movie. Well, that's as what much. I mean. So, uh, there, like, you could still very much tell it was his voice, but because it was toned down a bit, it actually worked quite well. And I love Iron Man three and the Nice Guys. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even I even still really love like Last Action Hero oh, and, yeah, and same, yeah. uh, Last Boy Scout, but yeah, you have to realize that you know as we change and grow older and the times change, you have to look back at things and reevaluate them. You have to, or you become Megan Kelly, who just lives in the fucking yeah. world where she thinks everything is okay and nothing is questionable. Like I can't believe. Sorry, I'm just going on a rant. Like I can't believe she thought blackface was ever okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm just bothered by it more because they're making. A movie right now, the Roger Zales behind the scenes sexual harassment Fox film with Charlie Theron playing Megan Kelly, and to me it's like, well, they're gonna you know make her heroic, and in the situation that she was in, like I, I understand, but it's like, you know, do we praise Maybe somebody who's also time, yeah. problematic as well? Yeah, I mean, there was all that Halloween. You always see this stuff come out because there are still those few people who just don't get it, right? And like, um. Fox oh, News in general. Sean White, who directed as simple, or who dressed up as Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder, and and um, again we talked about this too of being like, well, there's a um, movie that's now very questionable. Oh, I know, but like, it's so weird. It's this weird line because they were 
it's satirical in the way that they know what they're doing when they put Robert Downey Jr. in blackface right. or have um, Ben Stiller play Simple Jack. And Which they're mocking specifically it. I Am Sam, right? The yeah, Sean they're Penn mocking movie. actors who do these things or yeah. would do these things or are so method and so uh, self-important and, and think they're so self-important that they would do these things. So it's Or like, they're so committed to the role that they right, think that they've lived that in that okay, person's or, shoes. And that it's okay to do that, right? Yeah. Like Downey Jr.'s character, so he gets literally his skin um transform so he could like it's so when you're when it's satire like that and it's for comedic but also uh political commentary kind of stuff is like is that okay right like would tropic thunder fly now or because it was 10 years ago probably not um, but there was also even the the dan Aykroyd um eddie murphy film uh trading places mm -hmm. which has been brought up a lot recently as well where dan Aykroyd comes in wearing blackface as a a jamaican man and Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like how is this possible? Or Soul Man We're with St. Thomas the, Howell. The Wayans again, white chicks, like the, uh, the other way around. That's become even, I think, problematic now of people uh, saying, well, um, so it's just. Or the Bond movie, You you Only Live Twice, yeah. where he dresses up as, a, as an Asian man, uh, yeah. Bond. And you're just kind of like how, like, this stuff was considered okay then. I know. And, and it's I, just I, bizarre I, that it was. Well, but... that's what I mean. I mean, at different times and shit like that, I, th- I feel like you, you can't, um, I mean, you can hold people accountable for that stuff well you should yeah you should but like it's just weird of what that line is and like i i get why the movie is okay to do the simple jack bit and the the blackface thing um maybe i shouldn't say is okay but like why they did it i can see why they're making a statement with that stuff but also using it for comedic purposes but um well spike lee did that as well for um, bamboozle yeah and like i understand sometimes it's so it's so tricky but i don't get why sean white would be like oh yeah dressing up as simple jack would be okay and then ben stiller came out and i think he defended it being like well and, and explained kind of what i was saying of, of what it meant in the movie and, and right and but but like in the context of, of the film the, yeah. it's different than you know extracting that and using that as a halloween costume it, right. it's partly to get laughs or or people to kind of like you know, remember what you dressed up as. And, and it's the same thing. Like I remember back and I think it was like the, the early two thousands, like there was like this and he, and he shouldn't have, and he really should have known better. It was Prince Harry dressed up as a, as a Nazi for Halloween. And, and you're just like, how, how, how could you ever think that that's okay? Right. You know, like there's gotta be like, but it's these weird sense. things of like people going, well, world war two is okay. Nazis and Hitler are okay to make fun of now. Cause it was so, long ago or whatever right, right. but like but a british really you know, horrific things but even if it's not prince harry it's no 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 okay. no. but I, in general i know but, but you'd think out of anyone he would, he would know better the best oh, like know. better and, but people are just daft and they just don't fucking think about these things and um halloween's a weird time where like yes it's fun to dress up as other people but you have to still have boundaries and i saw a really good post on twitter and we're getting off track a little bit but that, that's i what think this, this show, is yeah. this is what this show does we have a run of show that hence why we, we uh, we've moved the move, new releases yeah. to their own segments yeah um there was a really good post about this guy and his younger sister i believe her favorite marvel character um was shuri from black panther right um and she really wanted to dress up as her for Halloween, but they were, she was white. Um, but he still got her the costume and did, um, and I think in a respectful way of like, they just did like, had the face paint, but didn't make her in blackface. She was just a, a like it, her, but with the kind of tribal um, right. stuff from Black Panther. And, and I was worried at first of going like, oh man, this guy like posted this on social and I think he's going to be 
people are going to go crazy, but their comments were actually really good and it went viral and people were like, well, thank you for doing it in like a respectful way. Like he explained why his sister wanted to do it. And um, I don't think no one, I mean, I'm sure there were people, but the majority of people weren't accusing him of like whitewashing the character or anything right. like that. It's just this girl really loved this character and wanted to, and he had to figure out a way of doing it in a respectful way. And right. And it's also, I mean, it is also tougher for with kids because they right. don't maybe understand. Yeah. Moana completely. was a big thing. I think last year when I was talking to some friends who have kids and stuff like that, cause I mean, we're older now and I do have friends who have kids and, and Moana was one of them where they're like, Oh my fucking, my kid loves moana and i don't know how to handle this right and like because that costume could be problematic if your daughter wants to dress up as moana right yeah so i don't know it's weird it's we got, it's sorry it's, we got serious there for a yeah. second but but i mean it's also a conversation that i would love to have with other people as well on the yeah. show at some some point so i mean it's good to have this this dialogue sort of set up and and, and running so to speak so and then the only other thing i watched was hotel artemis which i thought was a perfectly fine plain movie or, or background movie or, or something like that like yeah uh, enjoyed it i didn't really care that much um but it was I, think it's a, I think it's a good b movie i yeah. think it's a good again single location almost john carpenter-esque kind of film where once one thing goes wrong great everything cast. Sterling starts K. Brown to, is amazing yeah and always. Dave and, Bautista man um Dave Bautista is great I love Sofia Boutella most of the time and, yeah um, and Brian uh Tyree Henry and, as well yeah. as his uh drug addicted uh, brother Bloom and um we're not even mentioning uh Jodie Foster and who's and, the lead yeah and, I like Jodie Foster in it but she she weirdly reminded me of Peter Falk especially like the way she like shuffles down yeah, and the mumbles like, corridors a bit yeah. and stuff like that I and, thought she was going to do like a Columbo accent oh, yeah. let me, just well, one she was more almost thing. playing like older yeah. than what she actually even is or like or but um yeah I, I mostly enjoyed it like it was a perfectly fine kind of yeah B movie to your yeah. point and then the only other thing I'm been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption, so in the Western kind of, I don't, I'm kind of torn right, on did it. Did you lose your hat over um, it? Oh, I lost my hat tons of times, man. <laughs> I stole this big raccoon hat from this guy. I play that game as a total psychopath. I go full like black hat Westworld on it, where I just shoot everyone in the face, and I'm such an asshole. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. I'm having, I'm enjoying it, and it's very, it's gigantic, dude. It's so big, and it's gonna take me forever. But um, been playing that and. Oh, the one story I wanted to bring up, because I mentioned them a lot on this podcast, is uh, I went to a meetup in a video game conference um, to meet the guys from Kind of Funny. So I met Nick Scarpino and Greg Miller from Kind of Funny, and I they were at EGLX, which was a gaming convention. And uh, I, I'm not one to usually do stuff like this, but they were doing a meetup at the Shark Club here in Toronto, and... Um, um, it was really cool. I met Greg and I met Nick and I, I talked about movies with Nick for a long time and he gave me kind of a shout out on their panel the next day and I got a couple photos with them which you can see on my Twitter or my Instagram. Um, <coughs> excuse me, fuck, I should have muted my mic there. That's going to sound awful. Um, but it was really, really cool. I, I, I really, I was able to tell Nick in that I... Uh, they were a big inspiration for me to kind of um, leave my job at Rogers and kind of get back into film criticism and and start this podcast because I listen to them every single day and and it was kind of really cool to talk movies with Nick for a bit and then I talked about Red Dead Redemption with Greg and and met them both so um, if you guys don't listen to them they're they're kind of funny on on YouTube and they do a daily morning show and a video game show and. Um, they they stopped doing their in review podcast for now, which is the one that I talked about when they did Marvel and and X Men and Spider Man. But um, 
great guys, and they like I, I was so surprised at how cool they were with their community and their and very down to earth and hung out for hours with everyone and and it was uh kind of really really inspiring and really cool to kind of meet those guys so that's what i did like last weekend so and one cool. quick uh plug as well um i i completely forgot uh to mention um uh, a friend of ours um you know him a little bit better than than i do but i i made sure to to watch the episode i completely forgot about it um uh, Sean Hatton has a, a new show yeah. on Discovery, Vintage Game Hunters. That, yeah. Uh, if if you live in, in in Canada and are looking for something that's kind Discovery of Discovery Canada, I think the premiere was uh, last night. Which yeah, was Monday, it's November nostalgic. 7th. It sort of looks at like you know buying. It's almost like a a, a pawn shop kind of show where they look for vintage uh, artifacts that are game related or or Just tech sort related of tech and, and nerd culture, yeah. and then they sort of uh, refurbish it and then yeah. sell it for a price. And I mean, it's it's I, I can't remember the general who co-hosts it with him but sean is such uh, a lo- lovable likable kind of charismatic yeah. personality he knows his stuff um it's it's very exciting so i hope that uh you guys uh give that a, a shot as well yeah sean's a great dude i b- did a bit of stuff with him at at rogers we brought him in to do some video game stuff with me and um sean and uh bohis Blayhut is the other guy's name. Sorry about that, Blayhut. I really, uh, really enjoyed that first episode. So, uh, oh, you did watch it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah cool. it's good. I, I didn't get to catch it. I, I, I want to watch it. Um, Sean's a great, great dude. So, uh, shout out to him in that show and um, wish him all the best. Uh, cool, man. So that's what I've been watching. Um, let's get into. Uh, sorry, I lost my run of show here. Oh, our Rocky interview. Let's. Uh, yes. God, we're like forty minutes in and we haven't even started this. Um, so if you guys didn't know, we've been kind of reviewing each Rocky film leading up into Creed 2 because we're both very, very excited about Creed 2. Um, last week, we reviewed Rocky 4, um, which was a blast. Um, and this week, we're going to be tackling Rocky 5 and Rocky Balboa because we missed a week there. Yes. So, Eric, uh, do you want to kick it off with oh, what Rocky God. 5 kick is Kick it off? About? Punch we'll, it up, we'll, perhaps? We'll quickly go through Rocky 5 because it's not really worth talking about. Rocky 5 is an abomination to... Uh, not only the Rocky <laughs> franchise, but just filmmaking in general. Um, it's the one film in the Rocky franchise that I say that I probably actively hate and enjoy to forget. Um, it's badly acted. The I, the original idea was that this was going to be Rocky going back to his roots, and I think that's more what Balboa really is ultimately but i mean even you know bringing back john g uh, advilson as the director the script went through some really weird changes i think i brought this up with you or i was talking to you about yeah. it originally the idea advilson wanted to do was that rocky was going to die at the end of this movie and he would come back as a ghost and teach kids or the future generations of boxers so that way you could keep the series going. So he would become Mickey, but Mickey as a ghost. So then ultimately what they ended up doing is they just rewrote it that Rocky is suffering um, from head trauma due to his fight with Ivan uh, Drago. And so he's now kind of suffering um, serious head trauma that... that, that kind of has him reflecting or, or sort of connecting to to the ghost of Mickey yeah. <laughs> at, at times. It's kind of like these weird like flashbacks almost or like flashes of light that kind of beam in. And it, they kind of try to make him – and this is problematic I think of the movie as well. They try to make him dumb. Like they try to like, why is he talking like that or why is he acting like that? And like – the Polly character always says like it's kind of weird, and then but he's been like that <laughs> throughout all of these movies. Yeah, yeah. But they really play it up in this film, yeah. and they're trying to again like 
treat him as though he's an idiot. And he got brain damage or something. Yeah, and I just don't understand, like, how that works. And then they kind of correct that a little bit in in Balboa and, and, and Creed where he said he got a second opinion and stuff like that. So... Um, in terms of his diagnosis, uh, but it, in, in terms of Rocky Five, in terms of the plot, you have him teaching this young up-and-coming fighter, Tommy Gunn, uh, who probably it's with pro- two ends. With two <laughs> ends, is probably one of the worst characters, worst performances. Um, that sick mullet, though. That sick mullet. I mean, uh, it's of the early '90s, so you can tell that they're you know still. In the eighties, a lot of tracksuits, a lot yeah. of uh, the yeah. Don King stereotype yeah. character who kind of comes in and takes Tommy Gunn, snatches him away from, from Rocky. Uh, Rocky is is just a cartoon character and nothing more. And the final fight sequence, taking it to the streets, is just foolish. It's, I mean, you covered most of yeah. it. Yeah, I remember watching it. and I stopped it halfway through, and I watched the second half a week later, and. Uh, it's just so forgettable and so like it, like you said it's cartoony but in the bad ways like yeah. it, like all the Rocky like Polly loses like, all of their money yeah and, and the, yeah exactly like they lose all their money and Rocky has to go back living uh, in his old neighborhood and and it's just it was such a forced way of getting him back to his like his roots and things like that and, and uh, Kevin Connolly's uh, a bully from oh, the right. school yeah director e. of Gaudy yes um is a is a character in this movie um. God, and then that last fight scene. I don't have much to say other than it's the worst Rocky movie uh, by far. But um, yeah, Tommy Gunn is is horrible and tacky and and boring. And um, I thought they were going to be building. I've never seen this movie to be clear too. And then um, I well, the stuff were... with Burgess Meredith as well. Like when you see him in those flashes, especially yeah. in the end or in that fight sequence, they put like weird prosthetics and makeup on him. And every time it cuts to him, it's like, get him, Rocky, gotta get up. Well, it's almost like you said he was very old. He was sick at that point. And yeah. So maybe he was a bit frail and maybe they had to plump his cheeks out a bit, but like, and then the last thing is like, there's this street fight and they have this street fight and it's this big heroic moment. And I'm like, these are two fucking bums fighting (laughs) in the street. I'm like, what is this? This isn't Rocky. Like, no, like I'm like, and everyone's cheering and it's like this big moment. And I'm like and these guys beating are beating the shit yeah, out of like, each with other. Bare knuckles, like like just beating the shit out of each other. And I'm like, these guys would get arrested. I was like, this is a horrible street fight. I was like, why? This is not a heroic moment at all. No, like, like he's fighting in the streets with this fucking heavyweight champion of the world. I'm like, and then this would not this on the news. It would be like, look at how low these guys have sunk because they're fighting in the streets under a subway fucking station in Philadelphia. And it's just like. It's ridiculous, and I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, why is this going on for so long? And I'm like, this is stupid. And I re- I didn't realize the movie's only like an hour and a half or whatever. But it feels longer. Oh, God, it does. I stopped it halfway through. I couldn't even make it in 90 <laughs> minutes. Um, I did watch, try to watch it immediately after four. That's why. Um, and then it, he just beats the shit out of him, and then the movie ends. And I was like, wait, what? That's how they're ending this fran- – well, at the time, ending yeah. this franchise? I was but like, again, it was supposed to just- end differently where Rocky actually dies, and then he becomes a martyr, and the idea is that Sure. Well, he's supposed to die haunt- in that street fight or a yeah. different way? Yeah, and then his ghost haunts the local gym, inspiring youth that are – you know, disenfranchised to, to help them become the next generation of Rocky. Oh, I'm glad they did not do that. But either way, the ending is fucking dumb. And, like, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, it's just so out of character, it feels like. Like, to the point where he's, like, he's gone so far and and he's always wants to take the kind of higher ground. Or, like you said, he was always kind of, like, nonchalant about, like, a lot of this stuff. And he Yeah, just like, he never to... let anything really 
get to him. He was always it was always like a you know water on a duck's back kind of thing where it's just like yeah I'll just take it in my stride and and move along and and that's it. Like, and it's like he was like a like his his like uh, Adrian and 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 his kid is watching him and 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 they're all cheering and it's like a big mo- father son moment. And yeah. I'm like oh and that's the other the- thing like he like he just kind of like completely. Rocky just kind of skirts his son off to the side because he wants to train Tommy. Tommy, Gunn. he gives him his his his, his cuffs, his uh, his uh, what what, what oh, do you yeah. call him? The um. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and you're just like, shouldn't that be his kids? Or? It's ridiculous, yeah. man. It's it feels so out of character, even though like it, you bring back the original director and and the first film that had so many accolades and. Well, they really. And, I think like part of like the, the the marketing of that film was like we're we're taking it back, you know, take it take it back, do 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 do. Yeah, and and it just feels like it's it's it it completely misses the point of what Rocky was and is, and it just becomes this weird cartoony, ultra violent. Um, parody of itself. Yeah, it's real bad. Yeah, I couldn't believe that's how it ended. And Th- that's how originally and then it ended. And yeah. it ends on a giant montage of everything that happened yeah. over the last five movies. I think that's almost a way to. It's oh, like, like, yeah, we kind of fucked up with this movie. Let's, so. let's show you the good times. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's go out on one last like you know hurrah. And they, you guys love those montages we did, yeah. right? Here's everything that happened over the last five movies in the credits. And it just really. Um, it, it just—it left a really. I'm so glad. Bad like, taste in your usually mouth. you'd be like, "Ah, oh, get some new ideas." I don't want them to keep reviving these old franchises. But thank Christ, they made Rocky Balboa. will lead into that and Creed. Um, but yeah, because you need a better send off for the champ than 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 that movie. Because like I I remember with Rocky Balboa, and we'll just go into it, I guess, right now. Like I remember when that movie was announced, and when the trailer came out, the joke. We're in agreement, of, though. Rocky Five's the worst one, right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> It's one of the worst <laughs> things I've probably ever seen. Okay, um, but with with Rocky Balboa, like the joke was, oh, like Stallone literally is going back to the well at this point. He's so old now. How can he, you know, get how in can the he play how, Rocky? Yeah, how can he get back in the ring with a young fighter and 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 you know go one on one? And and I I was I, I remember being kind of skeptical about it and just thinking that like, oh yeah, maybe people are kind of right thinking that, and, and the criticism is there. But then the movie wins you over because it's. Even the way it plays with montages in that film, it feels more like it's it's a nostalgic flashback, but it's also very bittersweet. It's a bittersweet movie because at this point in Rocky's life, he he you know he has a restaurant now. Um, Adrian has passed away. Paulie's still around working at the meat factory. His son is kind of more not a strange. Yeah, I was gonna say but, not a strange, but but he is distant, or he's 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 he has his own life now, mm-hmm. and and he doesn't want to live in his father's shadow yeah. either. Right? That's what happens when you don't give your son your cufflinks, right? You know? yeah. cufflinks. You, cufflinks. You got there. You I got, got it. There. I got it. See, it just took me a little bit. I got hit in the head too many times. Yeah. Um. And and so it, it's it's kind of a very melancholy approach to telling the story in where Rocky. Balboa begins. It's most like the first Rocky. Yeah, movie. and again, like even the montages or the flashbacks feel earned not, and like, they're they're earned, and it, and it's sort of like, oh, well, this is what it was like then, and this is how it is now, and look how things have changed, and maybe have not so much, and 
then the idea of the plot coming into play where Rocky's brought back into the ring is that there's this really bad but kind of now the video funny game vi- thing yeah. simulation yeah. of him fighting the the world's greatest fighter at the moment uh, Mason Dixon who's undefeated who's undefeated very cocky, knockouts like uh, but everyone says he's never fought anyone who's really good or like as good as what Rocky like yeah. everybody is saying like Rocky is the best fighter in yeah. the world like the best boxer ever. that ever came in like is Mason Dixon as good as Rocky in his prime yeah and so then this gets into you know eats at uh, Dixon's uh, ego and sort of they set up this exhibition match and the idea is that now because of Rocky is you know in his in his 60s or late 50s early 60s that he doesn't have that same he's not as fast as he used to be he's well no strong, one gives him any credit and everyone thinks he's insane yeah. for doing it right and but and... then the idea is that when he starts going into it or accepts to, to actually train is that it's it's as Tony Burton says uh, Apollo's trainer who they bring back in yeah. here as well which I really liked uh, it's about blunt force trauma like you just gotta hit him hard hit him quick yeah. and, and, and that's what you have to rely well, on well I like it's that ultimate underdog story again yeah. and then that's why it works so perfectly because they're like how can we take the essence of that first movie of him being a bum and, and he just wants to prove he's a restaurant owner now like, he does have a nice no, no I'm not saying he's not a bum in this right. movie he's not a bum but Spider just, Rico's at the restaurant it's something too. that's eating away at him that he needed to do like one last thing and like it just uh, his yeah like you said adrian's passed away and he he just has this sense of sadness and 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 he needs to do this one thing to kind of put it all behind him and, right and and kind of uh i when in we talked about taking it back in rocky five and i think they do a good job at revisiting all the locations from the first couple movies in this movie and, and not being overly sentimental or or anything and there's a couple great moments between Rocky and and his son and really emotional moments that I think um, are really, really well acted by Stallone. And, and um, yeah, I remember this is the first time I'd seen this movie since opening night when it came out in theaters. And um, it caught me off guard again at how much I enjoyed it and, and how great of a performance it is and how um, it's actually pretty well directed to your point too of these montages or even talking about ghosts showing up where they you'd think it'd be tacky showing like Adrian pop up when he's like looking at her from the steps and like the old like ghost like right. uh, uh, Jedi but ghost the most, of her. I, and I stuff think the, I think in terms of like if you if you believe in ghosts or, or, or not, but what kind of is interesting the, the ghosts here is is the past yeah. and how the past is still haunting him in a way and. Even though he knows he can go the distance, this is just him bookending his career as a boxer once and for all and saying, I did it. Yeah, I, no one believed I, in me. Yeah, but... and I need to now move on. Yeah. You know. And I think it's perfect. It it really, really is. And and um, you could see how far he's come and how far the filmmaking ma- making has even come with the presentation with the HBO boxing and stuff, which I get nerdy about when I when it feels authentic. It's exhilarating um, with that Bruce stuff. Buffer and and um, or is it Bruce Buffer? Right, I think um, so. Yeah, because I forget which one's the UFC one. Michael Buffer and maybe I don't know. Fucking I don't remember. Um, yeah, it's Bruce Bruce Buffer. Um, why that matters it doesn't it doesn't at all um but i really like the authenticity of that fight and and yeah him training is great and just kind of um what's his name milo ventilamelia from as his uh, son yeah is, from is actually pretty good um, this is us um 
And you know what? I just really bought into it, and and I think it, it was incredibly emotional, kind of like what I got in in Rocky when he did it. And he well, was like, like anytime he takes the chair yeah. out and sets up at the at, oh, at Adrian's God, yeah, uh, yeah. grave, and, and you talks know he does that like every day. Basically, that's yeah. why that chair's there. And and or even Polly, um, like Polly is is a very interest like that performance yeah. is interesting. It's, it's very he's very regretful for the things that he's done. Right, and, that and, scene at the he, uh, demolished uh, uh, skating rink with yeah. him and Rock is 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 really good. Where he's like i treated her like shit i don't want to go through this and yeah um yeah and i think you could tell yeah paulie is 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 toned down from what he was right and and he's come to terms with what he what happens with age right like you, yeah. the older you get the the more reflective i yeah. think you become and that's kind of what this movie is it's it's a it's a reflective it's it's a, it's a reflection of the time that rocky has spent being Philadelphia's champion, but also it's a meditation on what it means to get older and your body to get older and not being in the spotlight anymore and and, and sort of what a local kind of celebrity then means and, and you know, him just as a human being and just yeah, watching with that restaurant and telling the stories to everyone. Yeah, like I love like, that stuff too. Like yeah. him just kind of being like that guy that you could listen to all night. And it night feels authentic. Stories. And even though that one guy's like, yeah, and he's like, we've heard it a hundred yeah, times. Yeah, Rob. But you always, he always comes over and but tells you, 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 even you if there's feel, one new person in the group, yeah, he probably it's, tells it's a warm story. blanket in a way. Like it's yeah. very comforting. Yeah. And uh, I love, I love this movie. Like to me, like it, it feels like this and the wrestler would be a perfect double bill. Agreed. That's a great, great double bill. And and going back to the end of the fight where Rocky makes it all 10 rounds, and, and I love, I love, and I don't know if it's, it's not super subtle because, um, but it's the same way where I, I said in, in the first film when he loses, he doesn't, they don't even focus that he, he loses really. Like the no. movie ends right away just that he made it. It's showing it, that he goes the distance, distance yet again. Exactly. Yeah. And then in this one, it's the same thing, although they linger on it more because it's like almost a farewell to this character. Character, but um, no one believes. Everyone believes he's going to get knocked out right away because he's an old guy fighting this world champion. And, and right, I love that he makes it the ten rounds, and he immediately celebrates and leaves the ring. Like he does not give because it has to go to decision still, and it ends up being a close fight, and he ends up losing a split decision. So one judge thought he should win, and two judges thought he should lose. Um, and but that doesn't matter. It's just that he went the distance. And I thought it was a, a brilliant choice to have Rocky just like he's literally celebrating with the crowd um, and does not even give a shit if he won or not. Yeah. Right? Like he could have won or lost, but like Mason Dixon's in the ring and it's so important to him. But even like won. how he's won over um, by. Right. By, like he like his, he has no respect for Rocky. Right. Going through the process of the marketing and and sort of getting ready for the fight. But then like, he's pissed that he even has to prove this. Yeah. But then at the end of it, like even he's kind of succumbed by that underdog. Like, I can't believe you did this. Yeah, good for you, man. Like, I really, I respect you for doing this. And so there was that moment, and then he stays in the ring for the decision, and he's excited that he won, but I love Rocky just leaves the ring and walks up the aisle, like, back to the dressing room and just kind of celebrates in in the crowd kind of thing, and and I thought it was a brilliant kind of juxtaposition to that first movie where the the credits almost kick in immediately after he yells Adrian, and, and, like, I did it, and, like, I made it. Um... And I think it's sorry if that came across. <laughs> God, you getting a little emotional I, there yeah. with a the burp. Um, 
so I don't know. It's a great movie. It really, really is. Yeah. And, like I got emotional again at the end, and I was like, "Man, yeah, Rock, Rock did it." And um, it, it's a you did it, Rock. It, it was a great farewell, and a um, it's a perfect way to bookend Rocky's Rocky storyline. Rocky story as a fighter, and yeah, like I think one and and Rocky Balboa are the best in terms of what the story is in terms of the progression and the narrative thematically speaking like it it just it's completely well-rounded you feel like the story has been told you feel like i mean all even five like all all six of the movies together in terms of rocky's saga at this point you feel like (laughs) this character has lived a life like this character is more than just you know, some uh, written on 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 script paper and then shot in a film like this. This feels like an now a real person. person, yeah. Right? Well, there was a real. St- there's still a real. Statue yeah, where I right? I could see young people mistaking that as a real person, as a real person. But you yeah. feel because of all of this and you know ending on Rocky Balboa that he is just as real as as you know Chuck Webner who he was originally based on. Yeah. No. Great franchise. Um. Excited to talk about uh, kind of the next step in the franchise with Creed next week because yeah. I haven't seen that since we saw it at Lightbox. Really, um, I've yeah. seen it three or four really? times. I haven't, after dude. I'm like so in, excited in to years. watch it. Yeah, in the years, and uh... I'm so excited to rewatch it because I wanted the 4K and I ended up getting the 4K on iTunes, and and I'm excited to kind of rewatch that because it was such like a creed i'll just preface it and we'll see how my opinions change or maybe they stay the same but like that screening caught me so off guard when we saw creed because i i liked uh fruitvale station and and um i was excited for creed i thought it looked great um but i wasn't sure what to expect because i'm like okay it's another essentially a rocky movie but now with michael b jordan and focusing on on creed's son and i was so caught off guard at how much i loved that movie i think it was in my like top two or three movies of that year. Same. I loved it so much. And it's, it's, I tried to champion that movie all the way to the Oscars, and it did get the the supporting... Supporting actor. Um, I think Michael yeah. B. Jordan should have been nominated as well. And, and uh, Kugler should have been too, man. And that, the cinematography dude, is Dude, that amazing. one shot of the boxing match, I cannot the wait single to see take? it again. That single yeah. take of the match. I remember sitting in the theater going, holy fuck, that is an impressive scene. And, like, it's so good. Well, that one scene at the end when they're in when they're in the ring together and and uh, Stallone, you know, B. Jordan confides in him before, like halfway during the match, and he's like, you know, I I don't know if I like he's just like I don't know if I belong here, and Stallone just looks at him, he's like, you fucking don't you yeah. dare don't you yeah. dare say that you belong yeah. here, and yeah. it just it's just like. Oh. I can't wait to watch it. Man save, tears. Yeah, save it for next week. We'll talk about it. So, it's so good. It yeah. is. It's a great movie, and uh, I'm excited. I, like that's an to me. This I've seen it a few times now, but that is such an easy watch. Well, I might watch it tonight. I, yeah. Well, I, I got the hockey games on tonight, but um, Leafs are playing the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Uh, Brady's not there. I'm not interested. No, they're not playing the Flyers. So. Um, yeah, so we'll be back with uh, Creed next week, which I'm very, very excited to rewatch. All right, Eric, let's uh, move it on to we wanted a, a new segment where we talked about some kind of uh, new releases on uh, Blu-ray, 4K and, and digital. So we want to call this staying at home with Matt and Eric. And uh, if you're like us, uh, it's harder and harder for me to kind of get it. If, if you prefer wearing track pants yeah. other uh, instead of wearing jeans, this is the segment for you. So, Eric, uh, what was on your uh, purchase list this week? For, well, I, funnily enough, Matt, we both went to uh, Best Buy, which I don't actually go to that much anymore. Where do you usually pick up? Uh, Amazon, Amazon now? Amazon. Yeah. Um, I sometimes go to Walmart. I feel like they have um, 
you can save like a couple dollars on 4Ks when right. I want to go. But that's only the Disney stuff. Yeah, well, cool. speaking of Disney, I uh, picked up Incredibles 2 on 4K, uh, which I'm excited to, to revisit. Uh, one of those movies that I keep forgetting was released over the summer, but I really had a lot of fun with that movie. And I think it... If, if it wasn't for Black Panther, I think it would probably be the best superhero movie of the year. I'm, I mean, I'm a Infinity War stan. I, I, that movie keeps growing on me, and I love it more and more. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, I love Black Panther, Infinity War, and Incredibles. Like all, all between four point fives and fives for me for all three of those movies. And yeah. I mean, I'm just a superhero lover, and and I think Incredibles was. Um, a really pleasant surprise because I know I knew it was going to be great. It's Pixar and, and everything. But in but... terms of Pixar's track record with sequels that aren't Toy Story related, right. they're kind of iffy at best. Because yes, I do not like Finding Dory um, or any of the Cars movies. Monsters or, University. Yeah, like the, it, they've all been either meh or forgettable or or just you can tell. Like remember when Pixar was considered like you know the place for originality and creativity well they've speaking of that they've said after toy story 4 they're getting back to just original movies right Right. which is exciting i think the thing that really ruined it for everyone was was the car films yeah i mean who who cares but even cars 3 which i remember people going no it's actually not bad and then i remember seeing it i'm like it's not good although inside out is great um, but that's an original movie. Yeah, but, but but I mean in terms of like wedged in between the sure. sequels. They used to do the one for me, one for you kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, which But it is, felt like it was like, oh, it's now all we're now just profit. Getting, yeah, now yeah. we're just getting a lot of sequels and stuff, right? But, but I do think Toy Story 3 is one of their best films. And Incredibles 2 is in, incredible as well. Yeah, so yeah. like I And Toy Story 4, I cannot wait for. Like next year's Disney slate I'm excited but nervous crazy. for that movie because I feel like it was Toy Story 3 was such a perfect way to end right. off. And they had so many trilogy. problems, but that's the weird thing about pixar a lot of their stuff has these major kind of issues and they somehow course correct it a lot of times for the most part Not good dinosaur good dinosaur and, like, and, and, and brave, brave is the other one where are the two that i'm thinking of internal problems whether it be uh directors leaving or script rewrites script, script rewrites or creative differences um or you know former heads of companies <laughs> leaving uh for certain reasons um it, it's <laughs> He's on a sabbatical, okay? Yeah, you know, I don't James think so Gunn's anymore. fired. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, I don't know. Who knows? But the way that everything was handled there is very, very. Weird. It's not good. Um. So yeah, Incredibles two. Incredibles two on four K is is now available. I'm sure it'll look amazing. Media and streaming. So yeah. if you haven't had a chance to see it, you know, give it a shot. If you have and you really liked it, it's it's now you can you can bring it home. Um, the other film that I would recommend picking up that's also available on Blu-ray and four K is Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Excellent, um, movie, which yeah. is now coming back around for awards consideration. Uh, I think it's one of Spike Lee's most entertaining films, but again, also very much a, a message movie that isn't heavy-handed, that's satirical, but very powerful. And those last five, ten minutes of the movie, when it kind of reflects some, you know, current yeah. uh, conditions in the really U.S. Really hit me, yeah. Oh, it, it, it hits home, and it feels... it's When Spike Lee is angry... It's the best because you're going to get the most creative spark of energy from him and he is going to – it's never it's never subtle but I think at the same time he's a filmmaker that can get away with that kind of stuff. And I think that both uh, John David Washington, Adam Driver and even Topher Grace are all amazing in that movie and it's such a, a well-constructed, strange – 
uh, take on the uh, the cop genre. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't had a chance to see it. And um, some of Spike Lee's other stuff is coming out early next year through uh, uh, Kinosmith. So I'll remind people then. But it's just nice to see Spike Lee, you know, kind of talked about again in, in, in this regard. I really like Chirac as well, but Black Klansman I would probably say is his most accessible movie since Inside Man. Yeah, I agree. Um, only thing I wanted to point out is I'm a big iTunes guy, you know that, with my Apple TVs all around the house, and um, they have a Fox Searchlight sale on at least Canadian iTunes. Sorry, I don't know what American iTunes has. Um, uh, a lot of great films for $10, some of them in 4K, and um, uh, all of Fox Searchlight's kind of most recent movies over the last um, five, ten years are on there, and um, yeah, a lot of great deals for stuff in 4K. They even have Shape of Water and and um, Three Billboards from a year or two ago, and and um, those were only last year. Yeah, okay, God, I don't even know how time works. Um, from last year, uh, but both $10 and in 4K. So if you have an Apple TV 4K, which I highly suggest you pick one up if you guys um, are kind of like me and are teetering on the on the digital side of things lately. Um, Apple TV 4Ks have Dolby Vision HDR. They have uh, Dolby Atmos Sound if you have a compatible device. Uh, Apple's streaming quality is very good comparatively to some other things like um, Crave TV and, and, and things like that. It's comparable, I think, to Netflix, and I think even probably better than Netflix's streaming quality because I feel like Netflix still, their compression isn't as good. Right, but it does um, look good. The Netflix stuff does look good on the, on the streaming service that you're Totally. You, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, on Apple TV, uh, Netflix 4K and all the 4K movies you can get on iTunes look very, very good. And I've watched a couple comparison videos online just to kind of see what I'm missing out on because I, I don't have a lot of 4K discs just because I have a 4K Blu-ray player in my Xbox One X. I've just kind of, it's, I save so much money and space by having my library on my Apple TV now. It's just like uh, movies go on sale very quickly in 4K so I can get stuff for sometimes 5 to $10 in 4K right? Uh, instead of $35, sometimes $40 with tax um, when you're buying stuff. So um, for me, it just made the most sense. So if you have a 4K-capable TV, and you might have some smart TV stuff, um, but if you – an Apple TV 4K – really really good device like i i love it yeah and the, and the fox searchlight catalog is is pretty solid so it's definitely oh, yeah. worth having but at the same time i mean you know as much as i do love streaming and some things you can only get on streaming i mean uh one of our news pieces that i guess we Let's should segue into, into yeah, is yeah. that filmstruck uh is going to be shutting down its service at the end of november is end it? of this month I end believe, of this yeah. month so uh criterion uh turner classic movies uh a lot of really wonderful uh historical content that was available at your fingertips uh time warner is just considering well it's not really making a profit it's considered more niche um there's a lot of really great people that worked on that uh service as well that, that dude are, i worked at a streaming service yeah. i know exactly well yeah show people... me exactly and 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 just again the library that they had i mean there was stuff that we didn't get it here in canada which i think is unfortunate as well we were all waiting for we it were to come. yeah we were yeah. like it's, it's coming any day now we're gonna get it it's gonna be here like they even last year uh, at the end of every year criterion always has like this like drawing that kind of gives you an idea of like what movies they're gonna release on blu-ray in the coming year and they also hinted a lot last year at filmstruck expanding and 
I was thinking, oh, maybe now we're going to get an international version, right? And unfortunately, it never came here. But at the same time, living vicariously through our American neighbors, it seemed like the perfect service to go back and watch a lot of these classics. Some and things that aren't even available on, yeah. on physical media anymore or very hard to get. Or just in general. Like film preservation can go so far, but at least – when you have something like Filmstruck or a streaming service in that vein, you can at least try to get your those films out to as many people as possible. And now, with it closing, there's really nothing there that I would say that's on that level. Um, like you no, could say I mean, Netflix, but Netflix doesn't no, go past like 1980. Yeah, Netflix does a <laughs> shit job at unless you uh, just watch Turner Classic movies. Yeah, it's um. They don't do a great job at uh, uh, having older movies on the on the platform. I don't think fuck even nineteen eighties movies are hard to come across on Netflix. So it's uh yeah, it's really a shame. I was excited for it too because I I'm notoriously awful at um, watching older films. Like again, I'm I'm in the Netflix mentality, not even intentionally, but like I don't have I don't I haven't seen a lot of stuff before. 1989 really or more so i've seen a lot of 80s and 70s stuff but before that not really um like there's stuff i watched in film school and and the the ones that you're you have to watch but uh, even the seventh seal um yeah and like i i saw a lot of stuff during my year in 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 college because we were assigned this stuff to watch and the stuff that you had to watch um but if i had something like filmstruck i feel like i'd be more inclined to go and watch some of this stuff because one, it is very hard to, to get some of these things. B criterions are expensive. They are very expensive. Now we do have canopy Um, in Canada as well, which isn't great. Yeah. No, it's not the best, uh, quality. It's, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass because you can get it through your Toronto library card. Yeah. Um, so it's great. It's free. If you have a library card in Toronto, it's a great, uh, great kind of um thing to have but i just i'm i'm a stickler for quality right and you should be and that's why like sure itunes and netflix are up to par but i remember talking with you about watching twin peaks on crave and or um other things i've watched on crave where where um i'm I'm curious to see what this updated rebrand they just rebranded to incorporate all the movie network stuff all the current hbo stuff uh, here in Canada, um, which is something people have been asking for for a very long time. But I was talking to um, uh, someone online, and I think it was Corey Atad, and we were talking about the quality um, that Crave provided, which is not good. And Canopy is similar, where the quality just isn't there, and it's clunky. It's a little... Um, and you can't really access it on your TV, really, unless you plug in your laptop and, and different things like that. Right. Like, I need apps for these devices. But And see, as much as I love streaming and, and, and having everything available to you at the tip of your fingers, there's still – this is why physical media for me is is still important because with physical media, you'll never – it, there's never any danger or threat of actually losing something you've ordered online. It's always going to be there. You can pull it out of your the shelf and and and, and watch. Yeah, it. but I feel like a lot of people don't like just. But I understand that yeah. too. It's expensive. Yeah. Um. It's it, it's cumbersome, cumbersome in the sense that if you don't have that, like I have a tiny condo. Yeah. I have one bookshelf that can fit my blu-rays which are already taking up most of it yeah. if you're and, not obsessive compulsive right. like i am it's it's one of those things where like it i, I totally understand but I, but i also at the same time it's like well you know you can you itunes can take away my rental or or whatever purchase i have you're essentially goes, renting it 
until they it's it's a weird thing you're purchasing it but you're purchasing a license to it it's all digital content yeah. is like this right where they can revoke that at any time if they if something happens where they don't have the rights to it anymore or they can't give it to you with it there was that story of that guy who moved from australia to canada correct and yeah and he lost three or four movies like on one of iTunes, those like phantom thread or something um, like that. because the company he purchased it through in australia isn't and that's the weird thing about here in canada is that if i went moved to the states i bet you a lot of movies i've purchased that are licensed through e1 or mongrel or elevation here in canada if i went to a country where that's not the studio that owns that movie I don't probably don't have access to that movie in that country, right? So it's a weird thing. But if you bought that Blu-ray from those companies here, that Blu-ray is going to work in your Blu-ray player as long as it's the same region, right? right. Or, yeah. or if you or you a, buy a region a yeah. region specific Blu-ray player, Blu-ray player, which a lot of people do. So you know, because there are some movies that aren't available uh, in, in North America and vice versa. Yeah, in, you can get Europe. region free players and region free discs and things like that. But like, it really is a but shame because it, it just I I feel like it, eventually. I mean, you'll always see that physical media be there. You see that with record sales right now have been higher than they've ever been, and they keep going up, and sure, CD sales are going down, and yes, everyone has Spotify and Apple Music and things like that, but there are those people who love collecting still, right? right. And that's what records have become. Uh, and being reintroduced right, as well. I think for that reason, for collectors, right? People yeah. who want that tangible thing in their hand with great artwork um, that still has great sound and great uh, quality, and I think that's where we're headed um, we've talked about countless times of how cinema is changing, but how is the home experience changing and streaming obviously is the way of the future and which is how we're basically going to consume media moving forward. Um, I still feel like, and we, we walked into Best Buy today talking about the story and it's a sad state of affairs, really. Like they have a lot of tech that you can still buy cause you still need to go to a store to buy a TV or a microwave or whatever other, um, thing you want to see in person before you purchase it but a lot of the like the blu-ray area is tiny and it's kind just of, a sampling it's just at this like point. and it's like they have a couple copies of each thing now i feel like because no one buys them anymore no. and um and it's just like everything looks empty and kind of like sad <laughs> like it's like things aren't stocked and like half the spaces are empty and it's just it's it's weird and 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 it's so it's sad when Someone like Filmstruck is going, okay, well, we realize this is the way of the future and that we want people to have access to these movies and these great collections, and Warner puts this money into it, but then two years in, same amount of time as Show Me, they pull the plug. So they don't even give it enough time to really kind of... Find its 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 place. And, and, it's, and, and see, and, like, yeah. you have to invest the time and the money into something to see. Yeah, like, you're never going to be profitable in two years. It just doesn't make sense. Right. You have to give it five years. Or, do, you, do you think part or, of that maybe be might be social media and the way that we are now where it's like we're waiting or we want the results immediately as, yeah, yeah instant gratification kind of yeah, thing and i think big companies i mean i worked for big companies and they instantly want to see what it's doing for them and if it doesn't then they go this is a waste of time why are we doing it yeah like what about and, the long term and look at how much even opening weekends mean in in movies it's all about what's it going to make opening weekend right because yeah. immediately after that it's going to start going down or does and, it but but there's some things like i look at like look at a star is born sure a star is born has not been number one in the box office but it's consistently made really good and money. it's and it's more of a story than say venom or yeah. or bohemian rhapsody where it's stayed in the top five for weeks now and it's made over 
a hundred million dollars and it's still making money and that's a success story in itself but does that mean that it's not a success because it wasn't number one for that first weekend that it opened because right. it was a wide release and the only reason why they closed it down is because filmstruck wasn't making the money and like yeah. they probably saw the trajectory and go well if we can't convince sure del toro and people have been pushing this bill this, hater and- this this petition to get i'm like petition's not gonna do fucking jack shit i'm sorry but like unless uh you get an influx of people who never had film struck to just miraculously go yeah i do want to try that now and give them your ten dollars a month a petition's not gonna do jack shit even no. if the the uh, however many people they have on the service if they all go well we really like this service well they go well of course we know you like the service you're fucking paying for it right but like maybe it's like if you can get a lot of international people to be like well we would if you could open this up but like, which i think i think people uh, want it dude it. i know that but i know from working at a streaming company it's so fucking hard and look at why netflix is trying so hard to get uh, original content and worldwide rights to everything it's because it's fucking excruciating to deal with 10 different studios who all own a movie in different countries and you gotta go well i am well now go, it's becoming even more uh, difficult with something like disney where they want to branch off and do their own thing and they're so pulling don't have access to all their things. content yeah. so and every studio is doing a similar thing but i even know working at show me it was it's like well these deals have been in place from a long time ago, what we had access to the FX and the Rogers shows because they were on Rogers channels, but we couldn't touch anything on HBO or any CTV channels because they were already uh, under contract with Bell because of that. And like, and then when it came to movie studios, it's like, okay, well, we want this movie. It's like, oh shit, but the sequel's owned by E1 here, but the first movie is Universal or something. So we can only, so you'll see even on Netflix now, he's like, well, we have Friday the 13th, 4, 5, and 6, but we don't have I think one. they just actually pulled those right but whatever but like but we don't have one two and three and you're like what the fuck why does that make any sense right and it's just because i know and i didn't work on the content team but like i know just from working on that and how intricate these deals are where like um usually you just have domestic rights to your movie unless you're a big company that distributes across north america but even worldwide or worldwide but even the big studios sometimes um, sell the international rights to a different studio that's better suited to distribute it over there, or um, some of the mid-tier studios do that a lot, right? Um, but or you'll see films like a, a lot of Tarantino stuff recently was always kind of like, okay, well, in the U.S. it's Weinstein Company, but in internationally they it's don't, Universal, it's Universal or Sony, Sony yeah. or or in Canada E1, yeah, right? Because uh, the Weinstein Company had deals with. So I could only imagine Filmstruck goes. Of course, we want to be worldwide, but the people who own these movies, sure, they license them the Criterion because of this, but in the U.S. it's Ma- or in Canada it's Mongrel. So Criterion has to do a separate deal with mongrel to be able to put it out in canada or else you have to import it or um well certain titles i know i'm just saying the ones that have multiple distributors so on a streaming service you have to understand that like if they want to go internationally they have to make all those deals separately probably pay again for some of those movies because you don't have the rights for them in Canada, or Mongrel already gave the rights to Netflix. So this would almost Canada. be like a final um, phase kind of thing. Like if they were making enough money, then they would say like, okay, now is the time to expand internationally. And it's just so much. And I'm sure they had a very small team working on it. And yeah. um, But that team also, I have to say, was very passionate. Like you they could also tell worked that, on that, Turner Classic Movies too. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you yeah. had like uh, Ben Mankiewicz and Elisa Malone and uh, Alfonso Duralde and, and people and like that. And talking out of my ass, but I mean, I'm trying to come but from no, a but back- 
background. But yeah, you, you know did. what you're talking about in terms of like I, I mean, just working know it for a from like service. why don't we have this movie or why don't we have this TV show or we would like this or why or, do we have this one but we don't have or, that one or even working with the content team because I was always interested in that stuff even though I worked in marketing and social media but like I was always talking to our content team and and talking about this stuff and seeing the list of movies or seeing their negotiations to try to get which movies or how much movies would cost and a lot of the times a studio goes well if you want this movie you also have to take these six other movies that no one gives a shit about right so when you see on netflix you're like why the fuck is this movie on here or no one cares about this and that's not just limited to to streaming because cable services used to do the same thing where they would want to buy something for for television rights or like they would go to a film festival and say like oh we would like to option these movies but you have to buy it in a bundle yeah exactly and that's how it goes in streaming services so a lot of the things were probably already tied up and that's why it never again i don't know i don't work at filmstruck they probably like this guy's an idiot if they're listening to this but i'm speaking from like my experience of like maybe that's why and then and then we shut down just essentially because you're competing with netflix and you're competing with these other gigantic streaming services right so um people will only want to pay for a certain amount of things and filmstruck is so niche like Yes, I care about it. Yes, you care about it. Yes, a lot of the people we know care about it. But like, there's probably a lot of people that are of, um, you know, our our grandparents and our parents' generation that also care about the older, you know, the Warner Brother archives. But I don't stuff. know if they would have even. But, been, but the, yeah, yeah, would they invest in actually buying that service, or do they know about it even, or do they really care? Like, it's one of those things where again, <laughs> like I think it's. It's a small group of very passionate, very um, interested people. In, in, in it's a vocal minority. It yeah. really is. Like, and it's and that's unfortunate. All it is. It's unfortunate, but it didn't make Warner any money. And and you can see the writing on the wall of of Warner and AT and T and whoever the hell owns them now is um, going to be launching their own streaming service. And maybe you'll see if they if those deals are still in place, like. Because um, Criterion was also with Hulu at one point too. Right? Yeah, and they moved over to Filmstruck. Yeah. So um, whether this, if they made a deal with Filmstruck specifically, that deal might be null and void now, and they might be able to bring their Criterion collection to another service. Right. Or maybe they did the deal with Warner Brothers or Time Warner or AT and T, and then that service gets uh, transferred over to whatever their streaming service is going to be and you have it because they need to build their library right because if you're going to have Disney which has all their stuff you're going to have Netflix which already has a a lot of original stuff but a varying and then you're going to see all Warner Brothers content taken off Netflix all Disney content taken off Netflix Paramount stuff put on CBS All Access probably if they ever introduce movies I think it's only TV right now right Um, for now though but um because CBS owns Paramount, right? Yeah, CBS Paramount. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's it's a weird world, and like we all say, like, well, there's too many streaming services, so I do think we need to pare this down, and I don't think – I think people are very easy to – Or maybe up. we need to streamline yeah, it. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's way better. You're, you're on top of things. But, um, yeah, th- no pun intended. We do need to streamline it, and it's going to be shitty when there's like – there are it's already too many things and i just feel like you're paying just you're probably paying more than what your cable package was if you cut the cord and add all these things and and i think we're very quick to be mad about things and it sucks that something's canceling and it sucks the people are losing their jobs and things like that but i 
I really like you're going to see the Criterion Collection go on another streaming service, whether it's yeah. this new streaming service or and the collection going itself isn't else. isn't closing down. Like they're still going to be releasing Blu-rays and stuff. And like it sucks because there's a lot of movies that aren't part of the Criterion Collection that were yeah. probably on Filmstruck that were um, digitally available only. Right. So um, you hope that those would show up other places, but then the trend is that. If people don't care, they're not going to be right. So it it and you see that on Netflix with them not having anything older than 1970 or something. Right? Or right. There's a couple very famous old movies on there, like Lawrence of Arabia is on there, and 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 I think I don't know what the oldest movie that A Touch of Evil I saw that is on Canadian Netflix and and things like that. But there's few and far between. Um, so. It's it's sad, and I hope that stuff lands somewhere. I don't think we're getting films struck back, so I think signing a petition is a waste of time. I think petitions in general are a waste of time right. um, for the most part. But The best thing to do is regroup and then figure out what the next step is, the next move is in terms of uh, what other direction you can go and what are the other options. Explore those. Find a new home for it. Find See what Warner is going to do with this material this content i still think it now. ends up there um, yeah because i do too unless cause... it goes back to hulu or i can't see netflix partnering with criterion doesn't make sense to me maybe that um at but... this time though i did, i just don't see yeah, it, it seems like it netflix like wants everybody's to... so divided and everyone wants to invest in original content too yeah. right and criterion collection is interesting because it's the criterion collection but it it is a bunch of movies from different studios, right? Right. It's not like it's one studio that owns all of the Criterion Collection. And I'm sure there are rules in the deal of, of who negotiate. They have access to the movie to sell for streaming or whatever like that, but uh, as branded under the Criterion Collection. So it's interesting because a lot of those movies are branded Criterion Collection movies on iTunes, which they're available, but you got to pay for each one or rent each one, right? Right. Um, but I still believe they're the criterion transfers and things like that. So um, they're available there. Uh, but as a, and then we have this canopy streaming service in Canada. So there's a separate thing where criterion already made a deal in Canada for their, their content, right. For this canopy thing. So that's where it gets all super complicated. Like right. now when they're trying to find a home for it, will they go, well, sure. If we make a deal, canopy already has these unless it's some public access kind of thing where because it's the library or i don't know can you just sign up for that thing without a library card i don't i think you need a library card yeah so i don't know how that works but because i remember they made a big deal about that a couple a couple years ago people were talking about in toronto oh you know sign up oh i popped on and i i I didn't like the quality Quality, just or the I mean, the content's there. It's, yeah. it's available. It's just, yeah, like the quality. And having to better. watch on your computer, and there's no apps for it, I don't think. There might be a phone app, but probably even not. then, I, I doubt it. So. They're probably still living in 2005. So it's really sad. I hope it bounces back, and I love the Criterion Collection. I wish I owned more. I just, for me, it's like, it's it's a hell of an investment. Sometimes it's 40-plus dollars for a, yeah. for a Criterion. Just, just right? a single one. And yeah. Yeah, it's, again, like, it's 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 worth it if you're you're a collector <laughs> or you really want to, like, you're, you're only spending money on that. But, I mean, realistically, you're not. Like, that's only, like, a small fraction of your life. And, I mean, yeah, even I would love to have a bigger collection. And unless you're getting them as review copies or, or they're just sending them to you. It's it's quite a, an expense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, but they do make it worth your while. Oh, too. totally! Like and the I, special features, oh, the quality are and like quality. The, the artwork on the. I love that kind of stuff. The I booklets, am a, yeah. I love a physical media. Don't get me wrong. Like I love great artwork. I love a great presentation, and I think Criterion's top level on all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, like you, even the Princess Bride, which was just recently released, has a, a this like storybook case. And you're like, wow, that's really like they. No, they it's cool. I love that. that. I mean, I always said David Fincher is always great because he controls all his own marketing on his movies. So all his well, they try to be filmmaker um, friendly, right? And those Blu-ray packages, even on his regular studio movies, are always really good. Um, so um, shout out to that. But and I, although but, the weird one is the uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, where <laughs> the Criterion version just looks like a regular Blu-ray. Well, because it was the regular Blu-ray for Benjamin Button, right? Like, there is no non-Criterion copy of it, I don't yeah. think. And that was a weird, because it was one of the new release movies on Criterion, so they must have done a deal with uh But it's not Par- the same case. Paramount? Like it's, Who? Yeah, it's Paramount. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's a blue case, and then the yeah. original version had like a regular slip cover, so it's just it just looks like a regular Blu-ray. Yeah, which is very weird. They should almost do a reissue of that with like uh yeah the actual crisis. or just just continue it and have it re-released under the paramount catalog right either or i guess yeah. but if it's already in criterion it, i would like a proper criterion package but i've been asking for them to re-release you know robocop and and armageddon, <laughs> armageddon <laughs> the which rock. only the laser disc versions which are still right. technically part of the criterion they are no they are I, somebody actually referenced it recently on one of their top because they do top tens yeah every it week. was um was it Steven Yeun? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it was Robocop. I, yeah, it was Robocop. Was on his top, and he but he cheated a little bit because he put like four different movies as ties, so he really named like fifteen movies right. in his top ten. Because yeah, some people do that uh, though. Hey, power to him. I mean, yeah. do whatever Speaking you want. Speaking of Steven Yeun, Walking Dead. Oh, there you go, buddy. Yeah, uh, our next news. Uh, the master of segways. So I I know. It kind of what's going on, but um, you wanted to kind of uh, yeah. I just wanted to. Co- I mean, uh, so let people know what's what was going on. Okay, like, so the the idea that this is uh, the Walking Dead season nine. They were really playing up, you know, the last episodes of Rick Grimes, played by uh, Andrew Lincoln. You know, it's going to be very emotional. He's been around. Final episode. Final episode. Um, so spoilers, if you don't want to know, because we are going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I don't even really is. want to talk about the sh- like what happens. But in we're going to talk about kind of the future. So if you don't want right. to know anything, I'd say skip the next five, ten minutes, knowing how much we talk. Right. Um, sorry. So if you don't want to know anything about Walking Dead, skip the next ten minutes. So yeah, the marketing was but all they about. They say it's his final episode. So I, yeah, I but they've already even marketed that you know they're doing these these TV movies now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Spoilers and besides. Start. The Walking Dead is shit, um, in my opinion. Um, and, and I'm with you. And part of it is because the 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 showrunners. I mean, as much as I like Greg Nicotero, um, they don't care about the audience. They're masochists in the way that they treat their 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 characters on the show. Um, it's such a cop out that. They had this buildup saying, you know, Rick is done. He's going to perish. He's going to, you know, have his final day in the sun. And then it's like, oh, no, we got you. We're actually doing a helicopter, secret (laughs) helicopter that's going to whisk him away out of the series. And he's going to go off somewhere else to to be in three three feature length TV movies that might even go to the theaters if they get if they get an offer from a studio. That's going to be the beginning of which you knew someone will jump in and probably distribute. Maybe who owns AMC? 
I don't know, but does I think any, it's Lionsgate that does the who owns the show. The There's probably stuff. I'm gonna look up who owns Walking Dead. But anyways, what bother? It just it just bothers me so much that they continue to get away with this shit. Like even when like they had the the Negan kill when Jeffrey uh, right with Dean that Morgan. shitty cliffhanger. Yeah, or... I mean the only good thing about it is that that it got Stephen Yoon out of the series so he could go and make Burning. But um, it, to me, like it treats its characters and its fans like garbage. And then on top of that. You have Talking Dead with Chris Hardwick, which oh. is problematic in itself, and that guy should not be on TV. Again, very much in my opinion, but um, I'm with you. There, yeah, it just it, it's like I'm surprised it's lasted this long. And the reason why I talk so res- I'm so resentful towards it is because I remember being really excited. At, you know, when Frank Darabont <laughs> was the showrunner, saying, "Oh, great! You know, a genre show that's never been done before like this on this scale." For fans and for people that love horror movies, and instead they tone it down, they make it gratuitous in a boring kind of manner, and nothing is really, you know, solved in an interesting way, or the character building is just, you know, let, let's be racist and kill off all the African American characters, which, you know, it's been criticized for, and it's just so. And bad. Asian characters. And Asian characters. <laughs> and it's just like. Really, this is this is where we're going with that, and and it's still expanding. I mean, they have Fear the Walking Dead as well, which had some really wonderful actors on that show with Cliff Curtis and Kim Dickens, and and to me, like it just feels like I I don't know why people spend so much time on it, and this recent news feels just like again they they don't care about the people actually watching it, or they're just very manipulative at once. Yeah, I'm with you. I dropped out in middle of season two. Just because I felt like it was going nowhere. And I'm like, you know what? I already see this coming. I do not want to invest the time in this. And I dropped out when they were in the... Uh, oh, fucking... Or no, wait. I made it... Which was the farm season? I think it was season two with uh, the late Scott right. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. So I dropped out halfway because I remember texting my friend Ryan Byrne. Shout out to Ryan Byrne. And I was like, hey, when do they leave this fucking farm? Because I'm done with this shit. And he's like... <laughs> Dude, it's not till the end of the season. And I go, nope. And then I just, out. I quit. Um, so to do some digging, um, 20th Century Fox has the distribution rights outside of the U.S. And that must be for the um, Blu-rays probably as well. I thought Lionsgate um, was uh, the or maybe, Blu-ray But it releases. says 20th, uh, 20th Television and, and Fox Network groups. And it's E1. Disney's The Walking and Dead. And it's E1. So uh, I doubt Fox will do it because by the time it'll be Disney. So... Um, I'll be curious to see if a studio picks them up. Someone will. Yeah. You got to think that they will. But a trilogy of Walking Dead movies like that are probably. And, and this is why I'm like, also mad be because I'm going to have to watch these fucking things. I, I'm not. Hell no. Why would the hell would you do that if you haven't watched any of the show? You don't have to review them. I know. Well, maybe. Who knows? Like, you don't have to. Um, I just feel like. And that's like. It seems so silly, especially having a character who you've had to invest nine seasons into. So if you get a trilogy of movies, like, it makes more sense to be TV because then they're just fucking TV movies for people who, like... And really, aren't most episodes of The Walking Dead, like, an hour and sometimes more anyway? Yeah. Like, so what, you're going to add 30 minutes to something and then call it a movie? And, like, because without commercials, you're probably getting, what, 40, 40-something minutes and then... um you're adding a little bit more than that, like another 40 minutes. It's like two episodes put together. It's so stupid. Like, it's just, I don't know. It just, 
I don't get it. And who this, who this is for? Because the ratings have been plummeting. plummeting yeah, yeah. And everyone and thinks it's like going doing on too more longer. than just the movies as well. Like they're thinking of doing like digital shorts, more comic books. Like they want to have a multi media platform. Even the platform. comic books ending or it did end. Yeah, but they'll do spinoffs. Yeah. Right. Well, that are based in this universe because yeah. the comic universe is different, right? And um, yeah, soon I, we'll have a serial based on The Walking Dead. You know, it's 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 one of those things where it just feels like it's expanding just for the sake to continue and that they don't have the money or, or they're not making enough to continue it. So it's just going to explode in their faces at some point, which I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for. Um, well, I give Game of Thrones credit because it seems like it's ending when it probably should. should yeah. Um, and I'll give. Although they are starting a prequel series. Pilot, anyways, with yeah. Naomi Watts. Yeah, everyone is getting something, so yeah. everyone, everything's got to be a universe, so I don't doubt it. And if something's successful, you never want it to end, so I don't know. Um, I have no interest. I couldn't care less. Will not watch them. Uh, dropped out in season two. Carl! Oh. Carl! That was my favorite thing from the whole series. Uh, it's going to crash and burn. I don't know. If it goes to theaters, it's not gonna. Unless you made a, you rebooted it and made the Walking Dead movies, yeah, and just redid it. But that even then, it's derivative and kind of just pointless. Like, but you know it'll happen or or something. But um, yeah, I think the show's garbage. I could not care less. So I'm uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, next piece of news we want to talk about. Let's go in the Force Majeure news, and then we'll end it with JJ. Um, so Force Majeure, a movie uh, that myself and you really, really enjoyed from TIFF a few years ago. Yeah, it's been a um, while. Directed by our, our buddy Ruben Ostland, right? Yeah. Um, Who more recently directed The Square, which yeah. won the Palme d'Or last year. Yeah, uh, but Force Majeure, um, kind of a... Uh, I don't know how to explain Force Majeure. Like a it's, family it's, it's, it's a family drama. drama about sort of the depictions of masculinity and femininity yeah. and sort of what those expectations are versus stereotypes and what happens in <laughs> situations of panic and tension. When a and, family's at a ski resort that an avalanche takes place. Yeah, and, so uh, what everybody presumes, I mean, it's not spoiling anything because there's, I mean, they even used for the first production still of the movie, this shot of this family sitting out on like a nice resort area restaurant and this avalanche or what looks like an avalanche is coming towards them. Everyone panics. The patriarch of this one specific family basically abandons his kids and wife and gets hightails it out of there and then the rest of the trip is him sort of having to deal to prove himself prove himself but also being ridiculed by his wife his children and sort of having to prove his masculinity and that he is a good father figure And it is a very funny, very strange, yeah. very I gotta uh, rewatch it. I, over I, the top kind of movie. Uh, there is some really. Have you rewatched this? I have. I've did? seen it twice. Yeah. I've yeah, seen okay. it twice. And there are some moments in that movie that are just like there's this whole sequence where the the husband gets taken to like this weird like uh, bro like fest rave, rave, and it's just like a By weird non sequitur. Right? No, 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 no. It's he's outside like yeah. at the skiing lodge, and then they take him into like this warehouse. Right. Yeah, it's very weird. But I remember just being so caught off guard. And that's 
score is amazing. Oh, God. You interviewed uh, Ruben uh, Ruben, a great and he dude. talked yeah. to you about where oh, he got that theme yeah, for the, the score. And he watched a YouTube video, and he's just like, oh, I loved it. So I just used that. I was like, oh, that's literally the music from the YouTube video? He's like, yeah. It's like, it was great. I just, then he showed me the video, I think. Yeah. Um, and he's just like a cool. kid on a, he was a great him. interview. He's a really, really great dude. Um, did you talk to him? For, no, you know? I didn't. Unfortunately. Um, I, I did briefly like just talk to him at the BFCA awards. Oh, okay. Cause I saw him and the co-star who's on uh, game of Thrones, who plays one of the wildlings who plays the, uh, the main character's yeah. best friend. Um, but yeah, it it is interesting that I mean it's been in development for a while. You know, so going back the to Fox news, Searchlight. So the news is Fox Searchlight is developing a remake of Force Majeure, directed by Nat Faxon uh, and Jim Rash. Yes, of uh, the way way back and uh, the Descendants. Yes, and, and then uh, you probably best yeah. know uh, uh, Nate. Uh, Nat Faxon? Nat Faxon from uh, Community as the Dean. Uh, or is that Jim Rash? Jim Rash. Yeah, Jim yeah, Rash yeah, is yeah. the Dean from yeah. Community. Yeah, Nat Faxon, you would know him too. He's also an actor. You've seen him in, in a bunch of things. But the, they... I'm going to rewatch Community, or at least oh, those God, first yeah, couple so of good. seasons. Yeah. Although, uh, there, again, there again, Dan Harmon, a very problematic uh, person. Right, but he's either. kind of... Yeah, actually, no, he hasn't. He, he was always no. a garbage person. I'm thinking of, what's his name from Rick and Morty? He got them... Oh, Julian. Um, no, it's Dan Harmon on Rick and Morty, right? Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's him and the other guy. I right? feel like he's come out. Anyways, we don't need to get into that stuff. That's but, a different story for yeah. a different time. Um, but yeah, they wrote The Descendants and then they directed The Way Way Back? Yeah, right. and I think they wrote it as well. Yeah, and then so they are remaking the movie and just recently it was announced that they cast uh, Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Julia Louis-Dreyfus was, was attached, attached before. Okay. Um, but it, it happened like almost right after Force Majeure was released because a lot of, because there's that famous video of, of Ruben reacting to him not getting nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, although the square did, um, it and was a joke. Right? Yeah, it was a yeah. joke, but it was. But everyone didn't thought realize it was it, serious. Yeah. Like it, it got lost was, in translation yeah. because he was like pretending to be really mad. Yeah, because he. Was, I think it was almost like weirdly like an homage, like because Spielberg did something similar that yeah. was actually more sincere and earnest when uh, Jaws wasn't nominated for directing, and like there's this video of him saying like, "How did Fellini get best director and I didn't?" and and stuff like that. So I think he was almost doing like this weird homage to it. Um, but yeah, so right after the movie played at TIFF and the other festivals, it got a lot of buzz, as many foreign language films do in that ilk. Most I mean, recently, Tony Erdman as yeah. well as another one. Um, Which is having its it, own problems. Now. Yeah, it got optioned off for uh, an English language remake, because who wants to read subtitles? Um, <laughs> and so, not to say that, that all know, English kidding. language remakes are bad, because I think Let Me In is, a quite, is really quite good. Um, there are the odd few, and I under so once I'm going to defend remakes of foreign language movies. Um, I I think it's it's one thing to shame people go well, just fucking watch the original. Why don't you just read subtitles and watch it? But I'm just like sometimes that's just not everyone's thing. That's right. just not what they want. And I feel like if you make something that's more accessible to people because they will watch it, but the content was still really great, then I don't see the problem in remake like i gloria bell yeah well that um, was one i was going to bring so up because anyways. i feel that with with sebastian Lilio's gloria i really liked gloria i really like gloria bell um the, the 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 two things that are very different about um or, or separates them are the performances so the performance of julianne moore in gloria bell makes the movie easy to rewatch. 
But it is basically a shot-for-shot shot remake. Yeah. There's not a lot that's really changed for the But it's going to open it up American to a audience. lot of people who probably just would never go back right. and watch an indie Spanish-language like uh, like film. And I, I, that's shitty that there are people that, that wouldn't. I haven't seen right. the original Gloria. But I'm I do feel necessarily... bad for the people that have watched Gloria and then go to watch Gloria right. Bell and, and the there's nothing thing. else yeah. other than a really wonderful performance from Julianne Moore. And the movie is good and it's opening in March uh, next year and we'll talk about it more when it – when it's uh, released it's or remind people about it. it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I feel, I, I think I feel bad more for the people that have to rewatch it, whether it be, you know, like some someone's job as a, as a critic to say, oh, well, I got to rewatch the thing over again. And at least if they do something different with it, you can say, right. well, there's something well, new. Well, this will probably be very, not very different, but I feel like with casting Will Ferrell and having Nat Faxon and Jim Rash direct it, it'll... It'll be different, and I'm very curious to see how this turns out. Right. Um, I'd like to hope that they it'll it'll be more of a dramedy than a straight up comedy. But um, I love the way way back. I love the Descendants. I have um all the faith in those guys because I I really really enjoy both of those movies, and I think they're very clever and very funny and and know how to. I mean, Will Ferrell again gets typecasted a lot and i love will ferrell movies but i like when he kind of breaks out of that and does something a bit more serious sometimes too so i'm curious of how they're going to balance that with him and not make him his cliched kind of will ferrell character well i think they'll make it work because you look at what they did with steve carell in the way way back they made him a total asshole right yeah and a great asshole too like he is so where he works in that, where he yeah. didn't work in something like Beautiful Boy that we just watched. Yeah, but I mean in terms of like maybe like a comedy drama that, or yeah. something that you're I not – I know ex- Beautiful Boy is not a comedy. I mean yeah. we laugh. Oh, yeah. but, <laughs> An unintentional uh, yeah. comedy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so it will be interesting to see what how they sort of work with Will Ferrell on that because I, I like Will Ferrell a lot as well. I mean Anchorman is, is amazing, but I feel like when it comes to him branching out, he really – I don't know if he's had the right role yet. He's tried, and there's an effort there that can be appreciated. But, like, I look at Stranger Than Fiction. I look at um, uh, Everything Must Go and things like that. And I'm like, okay, he, he, he's willing. I just think he needs the right filmmaker or filmmakers to work with. And maybe this will be the one that kind of shows people that new light of him or, or subverts the comedic expectations the way that like, look at like Melissa McCarthy with, can you ever forgive me? Like a yeah. lot of people are now seeing her in a completely different life light than just the slapstick, you know, uh, comedian who, you know, started at Groundlings. So that's great. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hope, I, I think he, and that's why, do you think that's why Adam McKay hasn't used him in either big short or, 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 Vice, like maybe this, just because it, it well, Will I mean, Fer- used, it's Will Ferrell, yeah, because I mean, he but Will Ferrell is and, a producer on Vice, so it's not like they haven't stopped working together. And they right. were doing, they were going to do another comedy with uh, the two of them and John C. Riley about uh, border control, but I think right t- being too <laughs> timely and also it's not really funny anymore. That like in terms of making a comedy about that can work. Um. But yeah, maybe it's just because if you see, you know, Will Ferrell in old age makeup and Vice, like it would be like, oh, well, it's Will Ferrell, and it's going to take you out of the movie. But he still is a producer on that film. Right. Like we could well, soon be like calling Steve him Academy kind of, Award nominee Will Ferrell. Yeah, which is that would be cool. Um, but I don't know. I'm excited for this because again, I love Will Ferrell. I love the original, um, which kind of sometimes can make you scared or skeptical. But I hope they keep some of the weirdness there. That last scene. Um, 
not lasting and this isn't spoiling anything but there's a scene of them having to drive in a bus down a mountain it's one of the most harrowing moments in recent cinema dude i was so terrified during that scene because i had no idea what to expect and it was just so tense and i knew like my own anxiety was coming into play there where i'm like if i was on this bus i'd be losing my goddamn mind and like uh, it's yeah. a very visceral yeah. kind of feeling, like the way that the mountain sort of uh, road kind of twists and turns, and the way that they're oh, angling God. off it's, the cliff. It is horrifying, yeah. and like I, I don't care about my masculinity or anything. I'd be like, I'm fucking walking down this mountain. I don't care. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So it, I, I want to go revisit it. Like actually, t- us talking about it goes, oh damn, I really want to watch Force Majeure, which I think it was on Netflix recently. Yeah. I don't know if it's still there, but I have no I, idea. I, I have the Blu-ray though. Yeah. I, of course you do. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're running. I, I love how we're like we cut out new reviews, and you know we're going to be streamlined and, and and things. Still hour forty-five. We're not done yet. Um, well, we had a really short episode for for last week yeah. for nine. So. We're making up for it now. Yeah, you know it. Uh, Brandon's happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go into our last piece of news and then we'll wrap it up. Um, so the one thing I wanted to talk about is that uh, uh, talking about these big mega deals and, and Disney buying Lucasfilm and Marvel or, or uh, uh, things along those lines. Uh, it, it seems like there was a recent piece of news. I'm going to pull it up here that J.J. Abrams is uh, seeking a Spielberg-esque kind of massive record-breaking gigantic exclusive deal with a studio and he's looking for over 500 million dollars on it um so according to uh, i'm looking at collider right now so uh shout out to Vinny mancuso at, at, at collider for putting this together was I'm it gonna, originally a, a variety probably article? i'm just uh yeah variety reports so yeah. um but he just compiled it all together in in one thing i can click on the variety report too um let me pull it up here. But anyways, the the cliff notes is that he's seeking an overall deal that will encompass not only film but television and video games and and just content in general. Um, so a and, multimedia dream machine. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, here it is. So I'm looking at the Variety Report now. Um, so a supernova-sized deal that would encompass films, television series, television series, digital content, music, games, consumer products, and theme park opportunities. So the theme park opportunities was, is the one thing that stuck out for me of going, oh, and then when you start reading more into this article, you see the two companies that are down – uh, look like are the front runners of this deal. And if you know anything about theme parks, Disney Universal, right. if you've ever been to Orlando. So right now it seems like uh, Disney and Universal are kind of in the running um, at, at the forefront. Um, uh, even though he's right now kind of partnered be- with Paramount. and Which Warner he Brothers. has Overlord that's coming out this week. And I think he still has two more years, or it's like till twenty twenty or twenty twenty two. Yeah, because they also just announced that uh, they're doing an, another thriller called Lou with Allison Janney, which is not a remake of the Pixar short. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. Um, yeah, so he's kind of looking at something on the scope of like what uh, Spielberg or Cameron or or Lucas has gotten. I just and, think of that epic rap video of uh, Michael Bay. Oh God, that's so good. It's yeah. all about the money. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy, and 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 we talked a little bit about this before, and um, the other rumors that it's it's possible that someone like Netflix or Apple steps in. I can see um, Apple. JJ loves Apple. Uh, yeah, like I, I know, remember him yeah. talking about like remember when the watch first yeah. came out, and he's like, oh, I got this Apple Watch. <laughs> uh, Apple would be the one I could see swoop in, but 
because of all the other stuff he's looking for, I just don't see it making sense. Right. Like, I still think he is a big cinema guy. Yeah. And um, Apple he, wa- theme park? he wants to be, I think, in that same vein as Spielberg and, and Lucas and, and, and those Well, he's a producer. Like, he's he's, he's yeah. a... I like J.J. Abrams as a filmmaker, but I don't necessarily think of him as, like, a filmmaker the way that I do Spielberg. I mean, well, I think that's mostly because, to your point, it's like he is a producer and he hasn't really – I'm not saying he hasn't done anything original, but no. unlike them, he is great at taking something and, and putting a fresh spin on it, but he hasn't made his own franchise yet, right? right. Like, or an original He's a Hollywood thing. mogul. Like he, to me, is a, is a giant in uh, corporate and production as much oh, as he is Bad Robot film. is is one of the most successful, I think. Like, yeah. He's a brand name. I mean, he's he's a brand onto himself at this point because of Star Wars and because of Lost, and and he's made so much money and had has worked with so many creative people. He he's 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 great at finding uh, the right people to work with. Uh, he knows how to sort of organize and put productions together, uh, all of which seem to make a ton back. Maybe with the exception of a couple series that have failed, but I mean nobody's perfect when it comes to television productions. But for the most part, he's been a, a, a hit player within the industry, and so seeing him take that next step that would put him in the same ilk as James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, and 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 sort of being you know J.J. Abrams presents or J.J. Abrams Bad Robot presents, it makes sense. So teaming up with a studio to sort of house these all of it all yeah. of it i can see him doing it and and i think the one that i would say that it would probably be if i was a betting man is is disney yeah i mean if you look at this and see that um the companies he's working with right now with paramount and warner brothers don't even just doesn't even look like they'll be in the running yeah um and it seems like it is between universal and disney mostly because Again, he's worked with Disney on on both Star Wars films, and he has a good relationship with with them. And then Universal, I think, what they were talking about is because they house Amblin and, and have this good relationship with Spielberg. Yeah, um, and Super Eight. Yeah, exactly. So um, I feel although that like, was a Paramount movie, but Amblin was yes uh, a part of that. And, yeah. Um, and so I, 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 it makes sense in both of them owning the theme parks and and having the the means to kind of um, with NBC and uh, Disney with its streaming service and ABC and, and he has a good relationship with them from Lost and and Felicity, Felicity and, and yeah. so he's worked with Disney a lot even on the television side of things so yeah and, and I don't see it coming to a streaming service and I, I I mean this isn't a surprise and I feel like again I'm with you that he is one of those biggest names like probably most well-known kind of faces of Hollywood I would say like I think anyone even casual moviegoers kind of know again a Star Wars movie will do that to you but um, know who J.J. Abrams is whether it was from Lost or or Mission Impossible being the main producer of those the most recent ones of those or just Bad Robot in general and I've always been a huge J.J. fan coming from being a huge Lost fan which made me a huge J.J. fan and um bad robot most recently we talked about overlord which i loved and and um i really do think that bad robot uh, again not everything is is great from them but they have a good track record and whether this is a deal 
I mean, half billion dollars almost puts it at the um, like. Is it is he looking someone to purchase Bad Robot and just and and go? This is Bad Robot and and me, the head of Bad Robot, are now part of your studio, or is it something? Do you mean like give up creative control? Because not, maybe not, or maybe it's a partnership, right? Because right. this is something you talked about, where maybe it's more so like an exclusive deal, like Legendary had with Warner Brothers, or or something like that, right? So yeah. Uh, it, it's curious. I, I still think it'll be Disney, especially with the, the they want to expand their streaming service and and their theme parks and, and, and things like that. And to keep him in the family, I feel. Um, I think they really loved working with him on, on Lost and Star Wars and, and obviously bringing him back to kind of, uh, fuck, they're calling it like right the ship, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um solo was a little bit of a stumble and i think because of the backlash um, of last jedi people right. want you know the, the, the happy traditional ending that yeah. they're expecting part uh i was gonna say 10 uh nine to be well, they don't want anything drastically different they're like give no. us force awakens yeah give us a give classics. us another greatest hits yeah. movie the which way- is fine yeah i'm totally okay with that as well but right like as much as i i'm on the i love last jedi and i know you are on the same camp yeah um I'm I like also, Force Awakens as well. I'm also fine with giving me a very traditional Star Wars movie with still some surprises. And J.J. does a good job, I think, with the mystery box stuff. And I know some people hate it. But, mm-hmm. like, I like his – he's always been a guy who 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 does more than just kind of what you expect. And I always liked kind of the – alternate kind of game stuff of like in the real world with lost or the mystery box stuff. Sometimes it doesn't always work like in star Trek into darkness and, 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 and certain things. But, um, I kind of like that he, he cares about the, the bigger picture and everything when it comes to the marketing and how people perceive it and what they see before a movie and, and the mysteries behind everything and keeping it special when you see it in a theater or on TV and, um, seeing him partner with one studio, which I know he's sort of been doing, but he's jumped around a little bit, um, uh, is really interesting. And I I have no doubt that most likely Disney will shell out that money and give him that Skrilla. Yeah. Well, I mean, they definitely, well, they can afford it, but also it would be an extremely wise investment. So, Or do you think Universal's pissed at the Fox thing and they're just going to fucking crazy bid on JJ? They could try, but I don't know if they have the same kind of money that Disney has right now. I mean, Disney, for the most part, with the exception of the Nutcracker, has been making hit after they, hit after they just hit. They dumped that. They didn't expect anything out of that after what happened with the whole thing right but at the same time like it just keeps making money like they haven't stopped where universal isn't as consistent and universal isn't i mean yeah they have the theme park and and all that kind of stuff but they don't have the merchandise kind of thing side the the, the way the the, the appeal of that the way that they kind of are able to sort of like you don't see like first man action figures or something like that you know like they don't have that friend like what jurassic park i guess is be the biggest thing yeah they have going right now but even that like it's furious it's only promotional for when the movies come out like it's not year round they don't have a universe you you never hear of a universal store the way you do you hear the disney Disney store store, right And with the streaming service, too, which Universal doesn't have any, like, right now it's just Hulu, right? Yeah. Um, Which Disney now technically owns a majority in once the Fox thing goes So technically Disney owns Universal. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at least (laughs) the streaming part of it. So um, I really do think, like, and 
of man, if they can nail down like James Cameron's basically already housed into Disney now because of the. Oh, we should have talked about that, James. Uh, the James Cameron, the like the, the four Avatar movies that I keep titles. Making fun of. I, yeah, I'm not until we actually get in there. The this what one did I say? The seed bearer is yeah. the grossest. Like I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know, but like, it's just uh, daunting to see that we're going to be getting water four or whatever Avatar movies. And I actually don't mind the first one, but I never wanted more than one. Yeah. I went back and rewatched it, and I very I've eased up on Avatar a lot. Most because of the theme park. And it did make me go back and rewatch it, and now like if if they have Cameron, Lucasfilm, uh, Pixar, Marvel, and, and if they bring in Abrams now to make stuff outside of Star Wars and probably still be part of Star Wars, if they get the exclusive deal with him, I'm sure he'll be a producer uh, at the least on a lot of this stuff. Um, although that's Kathleen Kennedy's job mostly, like I don't think I don't see him swooping in to do anything at Lucasfilm permanently. Right. Um, He'd probably be there more as a consultant or just to sign off on certain right. things if he's housed at Disney, right? Yeah. So, and then you'll start to see all those like he'll pitch a ton of shows, and I wonder what happens to Cloverfield after that, and what's this deal? Well, Cloverfield expires. was always kind of up in the air, even with now, the Netflix does thing. Does that right? robot own Cloverfield, or does Paramount own Cloverfield? That's a good question, because. On the 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 opening credits for Cloverfield uh, X Lax, as I like to call it now, um, it does say in association with Paramount and Bad Robots. So I, I don't know. I just I'm, I wonder how that stuff works, right? Because if he has an exclusive deal with Paramount, creates this Cloverfield franchise through Bad Robot, it's distributed through Paramount, but who owns it afterwards when this deal expires? Like the IP, but I almost feel like the IP is dead for now. Oh, totally. Anyways. That's why Overlord wasn't a Cloverfield movie, or a Quiet or, Place. Yeah, exactly. They they were too good. <laughs> they were like, oh no, um, we got to write ourselves out of this thing. Yeah, I mean, still very clever marketing the way that Netflix did that, but oof, yeah, the movie's not great. But we'll see what happens with JJ. I still think Disney will just own everything, so they got that. Apple is the only one who has probably more money. Yeah, but. It all depends on where he wants to be, right? Apple theme park? I'm sure he'll get the $500 million, and then maybe there'll be someone who tries to go, we'll give you $750 Well, that's the thing. I read that. I, I thought it would be more. I thought it would be closer to a billion. <laughs> like, I thought it would – because yeah. he's just – He could, man. He's it could, that big of a – If you start getting a, a bidding war, like you yeah. saw what happened with the 20th Century Fox stuff, right? Like, yeah. a bidding war came out, and, and Disney had to pay way more for it than they – planned on it because universal kept (coughs) sorry um kept bidding on it and um and upping that so if you see them go well fuck you guys we have all this money we didn't spend on fox like we'll offer him a ridiculous amount and then if apple goes in and goes we'll give you a shit ton it just depends on does he want to be in theme parks and movie theaters or does he want to just be on apple streaming there's another streaming service that's going to be launching in the next yeah, they've already yeah. started uh, green lighting so original content. So I'm so curious of how too. that's going to happen with iTunes, but then they're going to have their streaming service, or maybe it'll be like Apple Music, where you can still. They'll I don't fucking know, but then Disney's not playing nice with them, is why you don't get any Disney 4K stuff on iTunes because they're competing against each other. So you need to buy the 4Ks. I buy the 4Ks physicals. for Disney. No, I know, but, but I don't need the the, the other studios because they play nice with Apple, but who knows? That could go away at any moment. Right. Yep. That, those 4Ks could get downgraded to 480p or something. Standard def at any moment. Nothing lasts um, forever. Uh, I want to live forever. 
Oh God. Check out our review of Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. and, uh, uh, and rewatch, uh, Talladega nights. Yes. Because, uh, Ricky Bobby's favorite film is Highlander. All right, dude. Well, two hours on the mark. There yeah. Um, we did mo- it. A monster episode. I wasn't expecting to go this long, but as the world turns, I guess. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. I hope you guys are excited for this kind of new format that we're going with. Um, uh, again, just as a reminder, uh, there'll be a second channel now where you can get all of our most recent reviews in bite-sized form. Uh, this week, you'll get reviews of Bohemian Rhapsody as well as uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web, a new dragon tattoo story. <laughs> um, <laughs> Day of the Soldado. Yeah, and uh, with more and more uh, coming up in the future. So uh, again, once again, I am Matt Rohrbeck. I'm here with Eric Marchin. Please catch all of our reviews at rogerstv.cinemascene and at untitled. rogerstv.com oh, slash cinemascene. rogerstv.cinemascene. Go there. Tell me where that brings you. And then come back. <laughs> or be careful, though. Have I'll, your safe I'm search I'm going to let on. you plug your own shit. So for both of our reviews, you can go to our second channel at Untitled Movie Reviews. And Eric, where can we find more of your work? Uh, rogerstv.com slash cinema scene sorry i've never been to that site i haven't either um we'll be back next week with a review of creed as well as what other shenanigans we want to talk about yeah whatever news whatever uh blu-ray releases it's a brand new world will i still be coughing will i still be sick it's matt sick watch 2018 stay tuned you could be dead We'll see. Please don't say that. <laughs> I don't want that, but... Uh, yeah, please don't. Uh, we'll see you next week. Please watch or listen to our other reviews. They're going to be way shorter than this two-hour podcast. Love you. Bye. See ya.